And welcome back to the Suspense is Killing Us podcast. This is episode four. Four, right? Yeah. It's been a while since we recorded one, so <laughs> I forgot. Uh, yeah, episode four. Uh, last episode, we went over a few of the. Uh, uh, what did we do? We did the hot blonde uh, yeah. femme fatales basic of the, basic of the instinct sliver and its antecedents. Yeah. yeah, so basic instinct, sliver, and uh, body of evidence. And so we decided to keep going. Uh, down sort of that route by uh, exploring some more of the works by the great, great Joe Esterhaus. Mm. Or I as Kevin likes right. to call it, Joe Esterhaus. Uh-huh. And I'm just going to... Tales from the Esterhaus. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I'm just going to I'm just gonna accidentally call him Joe Esterhaus. That's so Esterhaus of just, Sand and Fog. I just want you guys to like not correct me every time, because it's just going to happen. No, just call him Joe Esterhaus from now on. Follow Maybe the house can, of Esther? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call him both. I'm going to slip in and out. So I just, just sorry yeah. about that. My apologies. Apologies to anybody who's listening that gives a fucking but, shit about no how to pronounce But no apologies to Joe Esterhaus sorry, yeah. because Absolutely he's a slime not. bag, as we'll, uh, would, as would, we'll get into. He would like that character. Maybe, yes. <laughs> maybe, if I, uh, maybe if he listens to this and he gets mad enough about me mispronouncing his name, he'll write, he'll write me into his next gross book. He does <laughs> like to send long, long letters yeah. to people. Oh, I would love to get a letter from him. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell everybody my address at the end of the podcast. Tell him your, your foot soldiers are going to blow his <laughs> brains out. He'll like that story. Oh, okay. It's a reference to a conflict he had with Mike Ovitz. Oh, my God. I don't, I'm going to have to get some foot soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> have we said who we are yet? No. Nope. Okay, I'm, let's I'm not ke- do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> now let's do it. Just like a, okay. I'm Kevin Clark. I'm Matt Lynch. I'm Travis Vote. Hello. Welcome everybody. Hello. Welcome back. Hopefully, hopefully you're enjoying these podcasts. Uh, thank you. If you made it through the entire extremely long Basic Instinct uh, podcasts, thanks for sticking around. <laughs> it was a, it was a longy but a goodie, I have to say. Uh-huh, I think so. Yeah. We got caught up in the sleaze. Well, I mean, there was no way we weren't going to talk for a long time about Basic Instinct. I mean, it's going to be one of the high points. Yeah. You know, it's a big uh, it's a big deal. It's a big it's a big gross uh, awesome <laughs> sleaze fest. It's a big wheel down at the Thriller Factory. It's a big wheel down at the Thriller Factory. Yeah. There will be a there will be a different kind of low point in this particular podcast episode because I, the the one that I'm looking forward to the most is the one that we're going to cover in the middle. Okay, ah, and yes. uh, one of the more fascinating and horrifying movies I've seen in a long time. Why don't you uh, Why don't you say which ones we're going to? Well, should today we, should we say what we're going to cover and then we'll, three, we'll yes. get into it. Three scripts by Joe Esterhaus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 1985, kind of his breakthrough, uh, a movie called Jagged Edge. Mm-hmm. I feel like a movie that was a pretty big hit at the time. Yeah, got and, good reviews. Uh, got good reviews, and it was and it was uh, that, that I believe is largely forgotten today. Nobody mm-hmm. watches this movie yeah. anymore, and it's, rightfully so. It's I'd largely say. forgotten by me, and I watched it not too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> Second movie is somehow almost entirely forgotten, and one of the damnedest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, <laughs> a movie called Betrayed. Yeah, starring Tom Berenger and Deborah Winger. Deborah Winger. And then, uh, and then we're going to cap it off with probably the most remembered, I would say, of these three at this point. Yeah. Even though it's the notorious, the notorious Jade mm. from 1995, and in my opinion, the uh, the best of the three. Well, Ooh, that's up for debate for sure. Yeah. yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah. 
That's that's the idea. So, All right. so can we start out with the fact that Matt has been doing a certain degree of research into our subject for this? Uh, what, what have you been doing? Yeah. I well, I've been watching all of Joe Esterhaz's scripts. First uh-huh. of all, like mm-hmm. I watched Flashdance, I watched Music Box, I watched yeah, pretty much everything. But you were inspired to I was make some also purchases. Also inspired to purchase Joe Esterhaz's three books. <laughs> you put money in Joe Esterhaz's wallet. I spent wallet. twelve dollars. I love it at a used bookstore website. I'm sure. I'm sure the man got his piece. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I have not read two of the three books I purchased, but I have I just finished the first one, a Hollywood Animal, yeah. which is his autobiography slash memoir. And we have a couple a couple passages a couple from that that we'll passages. sprinkle throughout here. Uh, but mm. future podcasts will also feature more excerpts from the Well we're also gonna I'm gonna, we're gonna put, put some more of this stuff up on our up on our Facebook page, up on the website and stuff too. So so look around for that for sort of some extra stuff, just so we don't get bogged down in this being Matt reading out loud mm. the Joe Astrohouse. Which would still be excellent great. podcast bonus material. Which we will put which we will post up. We just won't have you do it for right now because right. we gotta we gotta start talking about we gotta start talking about Jagged the, Edge. The book is great though. I highly recommend yeah. it. Not only is it a vastly entertaining read, but it's got a fucking crazy probably apocryphal anecdote on nearly every page <laughs> how, how would you describe the impression that you've gotten about the man himself from yeah. reading these books uh, I mean at the height of his power so to speak he was uh, just a complete narcissistic asshole I mean, the guy was notorious for fucking with just about anybody because he liked to. Yeah, cool. And he just constantly paints himself as like a, a, a genius that nobody else can approach. It's yeah. unbelievable. And the height of his uh, his power, so to speak, would have been the mid-90s, the early, early to mid-90s. Early to mid-90s, especially around ba- Basic Instinct. It was basic out. Instinct, and then Showgirls up until Showgirls was released pretty much, yeah, right? Yeah. Hmm. It was still like Joe... Because, I mean, he... Because, like, fucking Sliver got produced in the wake of Basic Instinct. Right. And, and that's some shit. That's some shit. I mean, Which, Sliver, if you listen Sliver to our, still made $100 million. Sure. Jesus. Yeah. But if you listen to our last podcast, none of us really had anything nice no. to say about Sliver. He, has some, he had some fascinating stories about the making of Sliver. It's just... Uh, Sharon reminder. Stone broke up his marriage, oh. among other things. Sharon this Stone is, and this broke is up according. Joe Esterhaus's marriage? And, well, so <laughs> Sharon Stone broke up the marriage of a woman named Naomi... I can't remember her last name right now, who was married to a guy who was like a producer. Okay. He left his wife for Sharon Stone, and then... Joe Esterhaus, his wife Jerry was friends with this woman, so they were all friends. And then Joe Esterhaus and the the dumped wife had an affair, and they they're currently still married. Like he left oh. his wife and children for this other woman. So to say Sharon Stone broke up his marriage is a is a that's the way Joe Esterhaus that's the way he sees would it. See that's it. how yeah. he painted it. He yeah. goes, well, she broke up my marriage. Meanwhile, he's like, yeah. I just wanted to leave my family. Taken from a true person <laughs> who loves to blame women for men having sex with them. It's, it's <laughs> unbelievable. The I, woman made me do it because she was so sexy. And also, I mean, the, she's the a man, succubus. The we're going to get to that later on. Cheated on his wife just constantly. But these women were the throwing themselves the at him. He All had right. no choice. Yeah. Okay, wow. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Joe. Est- I have always sort of gene- seen Joe Esterhaus as being uh, a pretty bad dude and very oblivious about it. Like, uh, makes a lot. of... I don't think he's oblivious about. it. I think he at the time he self-styled bad boy at the time. Oh, definitely self-styled bad boy. Apparently, he's got some conservative 
uh, columnist stuff going on oh. lately. Well, I guess conservative <laughs> is probably, probably the wrong term, but he's more of a like, you know, I'm not politically correct kind of oh. thing. Oh, shit. Cool. Like, those, yeah, shoot all, straight kind okay. of stuff. Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. I'd say yeah. telling it how it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that sounds. Sorry right. if you don't like it, pussies. The PC police gonna come lock me up. I mean, he talks about that in the in the book, and that book was written in two thousand and four. And he's like, people are too politically correct nowadays. <sighs> All right, yeah. cool. I wonder how he feels about it nowadays. Yeah, sure, it's great. <laughs> I don't want you out in public until the trial is over. I don't want to see any pictures of you in the paper. I want you to look as though your life has been shattered. My life has been shattered. It was a crime so violent. You think I killed my wife? prove it a murder so well planned you want people to say geez you think he could have done that to his own wife that it may change as many lives you're under arrest for the murders of page forrester and consuela martinez as it claims you've got uh, multiple stab wounds the wounds are jagged the uh, blade must have some kind of serration you're never going to get him off if he didn't do it I'll get him off. Uh, well, all, all right. right. Jagged Edge, then. Let's get yeah, into it. Jagged, Jagged Edge. Edge. 1985, directed by Richard Marquand. Mm-hmm. Who you, who you don't know. Who you don't know, probably, but directed one of your favorite movies from your childhood, mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Also a good friend of Joe Esterhaus. They mm-hmm. were buddies. Mm-hmm. And was died shortly after Died this, shortly right? after his second film that he directed from a Joe Esterhaus yeah. script, a movie called Hearts of Fire, a rock musical so with Bob been, Dylan. Which you have seen. Also. I have also watched this. Yeah, and he died. Uh, I knew he died, and then it wasn't until I was reading the, the massive uh, return, making of Return of the Jedi book that like he died. He had a brain aneurysm. Stroke. A stroke. He had a stroke, oh, and it was wow. in his. he was coming home from, from work or whatever, presumably up his drive, and he died in his car, and then you know they were like, "Where's, where's dad?" And then they found him out in the driveway, God. dead in his car. That's true. <gasps> yeah, that, I mean that's the story that that's how it was told in the story. book. Wow, that's how it was told in the book, and I was like, "Geez, that's so much more sad than I was." I was just like, I knew he, you know, sad that he died, but I thought it was yeah. like, and then he had cancer, and it was, and everybody's got to say goodbye to him and stuff. But you're like, no, he just died. He had like a a stroke in his car and just died. Supposedly, the, S- the second Astrohaus movie, Hearts of Fire, was what gave him the stroke. Oh. That's the rumor. Okay. Because Dylan was incredibly hard to deal with. What? Bob and, Dylan? Uh, yeah, right? And uh, it's a terrible movie, but it does have uh, <laughs> it does have a really good scene where Rupert Everett, who plays kind of like a Robert Smith type character, is uh, shooting a music video for his cover of Tainted Love, which features right said Fred's Fred Fairbass on the bass. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's uh, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and and Dylan's backup band in the movie is Richie Havens and Ron Wood from the Rolling Stones. I am going to watch this next week. Don't. Um, no, I'm going. <laughs> it's so boring. So Richard Richard Marquand did, he was he was a he was sort of a uh, what would you how would you describe his journeyman. style? Journeyman. journeyman. I mean, he was most famous at the time he made the Jagged Edge for shooting a film called uh, the The Eye of the Needle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ooh. and I I would describe that sounds like a movie that might fit into this category into our uh, uh, it's, podcast. It's not good. It's not bad. It's good. Yeah, I would good I would describe this movie. As, I would say that Return of the Jedi is like uh, is more interesting visually because it's like a Star Wars movie and like he he was just yeah. pointing he was basically point there your to camera at this yeah stuff. he was essentially there to direct the movie and meanwhile you know George Lucas was looking over his shoulder as he claimed as Marquand claimed he yeah. talks about it uh, in the in the Joe Esterhaus book yeah, he yeah. says to Esterhaus George Lucas is driving me fucking crazy he's just standing behind me the whole right. time which I mean is is like the kind of thing where you go okay but also you're like but you signed on to make the George Lucas movie right. 
so that's a, let's not complain about it too much. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, like, uh, it's going to be the one movie you're remembered for. Sorry. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this I, this movie, I felt Jagged Edge uh, was essentially uh, like a TV movie where they say fuck every once in a while. It's very, it, it's it's very, very televisional. It's, it's a quintessential suspense is killing us movie. Because yeah. yes. like, like, like we keep saying, they would not make this movie today. There's no reason to. No, it would be, be an a episode TV. of television. It's an episode of television, yeah. yeah. And even the episodes of television that they would make today would look m- more interesting than this. Yeah. So the plot of The Jagged Edge, yeah. such as it is. Glenn Close plays high-powered San Francisco attorney Teddy... I can't Ruxpin. remember his last name. Teddy Ruxpin, <laughs> yeah. Pretty weird. Teddy Grams. Uh, she is dressed as a Teddy Ruxpin as well. And <laughs> she speaks through a tape recorder yeah, in her she belly. She has to constantly flip the tape over when it runs out on one side. <laughs> She's a high-powered criminal defense attorney who used to work for the prosecutor's Objection, office. Objection, your honor. Sorry. <laughs> in the land of butterflies. Well, I don't know what Teddy Ruxpin sounds like. I want the truth. <laughs> I don't know how Teddy Ruxpin sounds. sound like a robot. <laughs> that would have been weird. <laughs> Hello, children. <laughs> Gather. C- cuddle with me. Gather round. Gather round. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Uh, little detour. Uh, uh, we all kind of watched this a long time ago. There's been a, a gap between podcasts. I actually watched this before we even started doing this podcast and did not take notes at the time, so... Uh, I don't think that matters. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, she's a high-powered defense attorney. Jeff Bridges is the wife... Well, he's a publisher. He's a newspaper publisher. But more than anything else, a rich he's child the, of and he's privilege. The, well, the husband of this this very rich woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that, that's his wife. It's his wife's one. money. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And he uh, is accused of murdering her. The opening scene of the movie is her being brutally attacked and, and yeah. killed. Very Esterhazy in its brutality. Yeah. yeah. Teddy Barnes. Teddy Barnes. Thank you. Close to Teddy Barnes. And so she's defending uh, Jeff Bridges and yeah. then proceeds to have a sexual affair with him. Mm-hmm. She falls into because she, she, she falls, falls in, in she falls in love with him in classical Joe Esterhaz fashion as as well with with absolutely no compunction about it she None. at no point says anything like maybe I shouldn't have an affair with it she's the lawyer for this guy it's a high yeah. profile case and then he's like do you think maybe we should fuck and she's like yeah and we it's, it's also a high profile case in which she's defending a man who maybe murdered his wife, wife. yeah and she's brutally like, I'll fuck him she seems it well, seems like there's a good chance he took her for that horse ride. It's true. It was a really hey, nice horse ride. There's a little bit about her being swept up in the mm-hmm. world of privilege, yeah. which is right. a thing. Sure, I'll buy that. Yeah, um, she's, I'll, I'll buy that aspect of it. Where because he like, yeah, takes she's her like out. the most. She's the most prominent criminal defense attorney in San Francisco and is caught up in the world of privilege. <laughs> yeah. But she, yeah, she lives in this. Can you imagine this kind of dirtbag existence of living in a. Uh, House well, in she, the center in the center of San Francisco that would cost yeah. about nine point eight million dollars now, yeah. she, but it's on a street, so <laughs> middle class. Yeah, she'd stop doing criminal uh, cases because of the the one that comes up because she mentions well, that she a few was times. a prosecutor and she stopped. Oh, yeah, sorry, she's a defense attorney now, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she because she stopped doing uh, criminal prosecution because of this other case. This other case. The where other she, case. She wrongfully large. convicted somebody. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This and movie, Robert Loggia yeah. was like her partner at the time. We'll we'll come to introduce Robert Loggia later. Robert Loggia is the case, highlight case, of this movie. This case Oscar broke nominated. her yeah. and drove Robert Loggia out of the biz yeah. and into a low point that we will talk about uh, when his character is introduced. Yeah. Um, I uh, everybody's looking at me, but I have trouble remembering like what even <laughs> happens in this movie. I was so kind of checked out a One lot of, the of it. Fascinating so, things about it. Uh, pro- so possibly the most fascinating thing about it is that there's is that there's not really a whodunit. Mm. There's the one option. They never bring the case. Well, there's the a red of anybody. character. It's, is there a red herring? Yeah, I didn't even remember that. The Bobby that. Slade guy, who's like the tennis pro at the country club. Oh right, he's yeah. a real sleaze bag, and they. 
And like, but all I never signs, took that all remotely signs seriously. Kind of point to this guy. Like yeah. they're trying to, they're trying. That's his whole. That's their whole defense. Is it is it was this guy and not Jeff Bridges. And I then, felt like, like what? I guess spoiler alert. It turns out it's Jeff Bridges. It I is, felt like the whole it time is, it was seemed like it was probably Jeff Bridges. Yeah, I felt and like the whole movie is like, did Jeff Bridges kill this guy? He probably killed this guy. And then the end, it's like he killed the guy. I felt like or he up, killed the lady up yeah. until the very end that it could have gone either way and it would make sense. And yeah, that they sure. could have shot both endings and then tested both of them and gone. Which they we're very well minded. We're gonna go with this one because like at the end, if it had turned out to be the other guy when she takes the mask off, you'd be like, it is. And then there'd be an extra scene where she, where Jeff Bridges comes in and they're in love. And then this oh. way, this way they do it, and she takes off the mask as Jeff Bridges, and then I think it Robert Loja comes Bridges. in, and they are in love. I think it would. Well, the way the movie ends now is that you know after Jeff They're Bridges is love. acquitted, then uh, she discovers that he really did it because yeah. the, one of the key pieces of evidence is these notes that someone's been sending her, presumably oh, from, right. and from, the, from, the from a typewriter. From a typewriter, the L is broken the, or something. It's like or, a T is slightly very raised. specific kind of typewriter yeah. too. Right. And then, but then, so she discovers that it's that it's Jeff Bridges' typewriter, and and yeah. and that it's him. And then Jeff Bridges shows up, or a masked killer shows up to get her. She shoots him. And then doesn't she go home after discovering the typewriter, basically expecting him to come yeah. get her? Yes, that's why she's got the gun. And then she just goes into her house, and then he comes in and tries to kill her. Well, she yeah. takes and a shower she first. Sh- she because wa- sh- she has to wash him off of her. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's Bas- right. I mean, there it's essentially one of those shower scenes because she comes in, she's like ripping her clothes off, running to the shower, and then does the you know in the sh- the dramatic shower like oh, I've got to I've got to get clean. Murderer so. all over me. Yeah. P.S. Benefits of having read that book. That's Joe Esterhaus' real typewriter. Of course it is. That's Does it have a fucked movie. up L too? Is it did like once it got, but then it got lost. They huh. they they put it in the movie and then we're shipping it back to L.A. They actually sent it by private courier and it got got lost. The typewriter got the lost? typewriter's oh lost God. to the ages. Huh? Someone's got that typewriter somewhere, just writing <laughs> ransom notes this with is, a broken L yeah. or T or and whatever. This is the ba- basic <laughs> plot of the movie. We've described it already without getting too much to Robert Lozier. But can you? Im- that's it. That's the story. Can we you imagine and it's over two like, hours. There's t- episodes of television that are way more complicated. It's so than boring. This. And we haven't talked too much about uh, how much uh, Peter Coyote's in it either, which I loved. He's, He's the, the prosecutor. Peter uh-huh. Peter Coyote and uh, Robert Lozier are like my my take my highlights from the movie because you don't get to see Peter Coyote in. He's in a lot of stuff, but he's. He's gets a like, he's a lot of scenery chewing in this one. I felt like more than other stuff I've seen as a vaguely corrupt prosecutor. Yeah, yeah, vaguely corrupt. Because <laughs> the way the way that Jeff Bridges gets actually is acquitted in this movie. Like the key piece of evidence that acquits him is that the killer did pretty much the same crime eighteen months earlier, right. like three towns over or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and they couldn't connect Jeff Bridges to that crime. So it couldn't have possibly been the same, you know, like that's his, that's his yeah. alibi is like, it was obvious that the same killer did both of these because the MO is the same, but since we couldn't tie Jeff Bridges to the first one, it makes it less likely that he committed the second one, which is total nonsense. <laughs> yeah. The whole point is that, you know, we we learned that Jeff Bridges did both crimes to set up this alibi for himself that Peter Coyote and the prosecutor's office knew about the original murder, yeah. and because they couldn't tie Jeff Bridges' character to that crime, they suppressed all of any potentially exculpatory evidence from that murder, yeah. and that's what gets him off. A lot of it On has these, to okay, do... It's like an absurd technicality. Yeah, a lot of it has to, it comes calls back to the very first movie we did on this uh, podcast, yes. The Star Chamber, because he gets off based on technicalities, based on how this the prosecutors like fucking suppressed evidence, lots right. of evidence. They like took it out of the took stuff out of the like mm-hmm. uh, police uh, records 
altogether but for this, certain but crimes. But if this had been Star Chamber, Jeff Bridges would have boiled and eaten a thousand preschoolers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <it's laughs> and the judges would be like, well, there's nothing we can do about it. We know he did it. Right, He's right. He's got to go. But also, yeah. it ties out. into the case that, that she stopped being a prosecutor for because he also suppressed evidence in the case of the guy that they wrongfully convicted. Right. She knew about it. And so after all of this shit, so after the, the the crime that they wrongfully convicted this guy for, the original Bridges murder, the now second Jeff Bridges murder for which he's been acquitted, now she reads a public statement to the media mm-hmm. saying, like, I knew that the prosecutor was corrupt, I knew he suppressed this evidence, and I did nothing. And everybody's like, good job, Glenn Close. <laughs> yeah, the mom of the— She's like, I couldn't do anything about it. It's like, you could have absolutely done anything about the it. The mom of the, the guy who they put in prison who was then, mm-hmm. I think, died and was yeah. killed in prison. We see her go to their to the funeral yeah, at the beginning uh, of the, the he, her, His mom is at this the Jeff Bridges trial, and she's they show a couple cutaway shots of her. She doesn't nod or anything quite that overt I don't think but she it is she is there it does keep cutting to this this black woman in the audience and you're kind of like are we supposed to like think that like she's now she's okay she's fine this Glenn Close has been <laughs> exonerated of any wrongdoing because she admitted she knew she admitted that they she knew railroaded her son into prison death yeah. absurd yeah, yeah it doesn't it doesn't quite track no um but it does have it does feel like how those how those movies go and it feels like in that scene like that it's genuinely supposed to be like See, we've she's apologizing for this, and so it's okay yeah, we've, now. We've righted the it's like a real liberal uh, white American yeah. um, thing to thing to have in a movie where it's like, now see this this lady, she's she's good. She was good then too, and she just didn't, she couldn't right. do it. She couldn't do it then, but she can. But here she is apologizing, sort of, <laughs> to this to this mom after all this bad shit has happened. I mean, you know, like, like that has to be good, and and that's supposed to be good enough. For, I wanted the movie to follow that woman afterwards. That's sort of like you go, like that's a more re- interesting story arc of her character yeah, yeah. it doesn't make any sense no the whole movie only, only exists to generate the twist well i mean it's it, in that way it's the same as uh basic instinct and sliver follow the same thing where it's sort of like you're going like who did it she she did it but like they're gonna keep throwing this stupid stuff at you know and like mm-hmm. uh, and sliver's even more m- muddied <laughs> but but like it feels yeah, like sliver's like he did it wait did it's what? the same it's the same <laughs> essential structure where it's like Here's when then yeah exactly at the end of Sliver who who did who what did what, what happened <laughs> killed her who who I don't know I don't remember <laughs> <laughs> uh, well at least they didn't get married and jump into a volcano at the end <laughs> I wish that. well that case is uh, uh, that we were talking about is the case that dro- drives Robert Loja out of the biz out of the biz that's it right it wrecks him was, and, and turns his, him into a shell of a man and his character was a uh, he's he, like a detective he was a detective right but yeah. now he's sort of just. He's like still like good friends with her. Yeah, he like helps her with the case. Yeah, yeah. I'm not quite sure. He's what her. He's, he's her investigator. Yeah, lawyer, he's, you like, know? Yeah. he's like the John Spencer character in Presumed Innocent. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy's a cop, but it's the same deal. He's like you know investigating the right hand man yeah. sort yeah. of deal. And he's I think he's pretty good in it. He got. But I like Oscar nominated. Oscar nominated for this role. Yeah. And I would say sure. Yeah. It's wildly entertaining because we were watching this movie uh, at the office and kind of just going like, okay, all right. Okay, and then as Robert Loja pops up, she knocks on his door, and he opens the door, and he goes, "Ah, you look like a real fucking broad." And we were just like, "Wow!" But we're then watching that. Ne- okay, <laughs> he's very, but he's very sweet to her in that Robert Loja. No, he's, gruff, he's, he's the like, gruffest. He's sweetheart. gruff, but he's all like, "Oh, baby, you look, you're looking bad," and he's constantly like touching her face, which I is is sweet and meant to be sweet, but also is like 
why is Robert Loja? He's it's like his go-to move is like touching Glenn Close's like face, face off. Where he does constantly. Well, yeah. Have you ever met Glenn Close? Try not to touch her face. I, I have I dare not. You. Have you met Glenn Close? I met her several times and I touched her face each yeah. time. And she's fine. You with can't it, stop right? doing it. You well, can, she's yeah. used to it. Yeah, she just. That's I just mean, what she's happens. just like people are going to touch my face. Yeah, it's like gravity. My face has hand gravity. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways. All right. Anyways, I buy it. Uh, Robert Loggia has, has been brought so low um, by uh, at this point in his life that he, you know he's yeah. keeping beer in his oven. <laughs> he has a bunch of be- a bunch of Bud- Budweiser beer in his oven. oven. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you want a fucking beer? I would like to point out, and I and I didn't actually verify this, but there might not be a single line that Robert Loja has in this that he doesn't have that doesn't have the f word in yeah. it, or some form of profanity. That's what I mean. This whole movie feels like it's just like a pretty flat uh, TV movie that's about this lady in this this case, this murder case, and then every once in a while, some character goes, "Fuck." Fuck. And there's those sex Fuck. scenes. It's actually quite profane at times because it's yeah, yeah. But other, but but it's the dialogue that's profane. Not a, not much no. of the content. No, it's not. It's not very. I don't even believe there's any like cops joking around a dead person. Uh, really. Is there? A little bit. Here's I, I have the, the oh, okay. IMDb quotes up, and I just wanted to demonstrate. Uh, Robert Loja's character's name is Sam Ransom. Sam Ransom. What is that that's supposed a to great be? Pretty name. cool. <laughs> Anyways, uh, did you say pretty cool or this is this is Teddy cool. Barnes? Teddy Barnes. Cool. That's his other name. This is Teddy Barnes <laughs> arguing with Sam. Sam is Robert Loja. Teddy Barnes is Glenn Close. Sam, he didn't do it. Yeah, is that your head talking or another part of your anatomy? <laughs> Teddy gives him a sour look. Hey, what? Okay, what the hell? Fuck me. <laughs> that's that's that line. Here's another Sam Ransom line. Fuck him. He was trash. Here's another Sam Ransom line. Or t- here's a quintessential line between the two of that them. That was, by the way, fuck him, he was trash, was, is the final line of yeah. the movie. Oh, is that the That's final line? That's what he says about Jeff Bridges. Because he comes in, she That's shoots great. Jeff Bridges, and he comes, she'd called him before, and he comes in right afterwards, and he's got his gun out, and he's like, oh, oh baby, I'm sorry. Ah, fuck touches him, he was face. trash. He does, he touches her face, and then goes, fuck him, he was trash. And then it ends, the movie ends. <laughs> no. Did your, did your mother ever wash your mouth out with soap and water? Yeah, but it didn't do any fucking good. I, lo- I actually like that line. That's that a great made me line. laugh. That was a, I thought that was a solid fucking line. Here's a that's a good line. It's a solid here's, fucking line. Here's a line. It is a solid fucking line. Yeah, this is didn't do any fucking good. This isn't Sam Ransom. This is possibly Peter Coyote. Uh, but it, and I do remember this line. The guy because it's as Joe Esterhazy as you get. Open the, the cock sucking door. <laughs> open the cock sucking door. No, it's uh, the guy had a rap sheet as long as my dick. Yeah, yeah. that's what like a cop says okay. to another professional, Yeesh. most likely. Doesn't yeah. that line show up in Jade? There's a, I got I got a bunch of lines from Jade. Maybe. Jade is shock a block with yeah, yeah. We'll get colorful to, dialogue. We're gonna get to we're gonna get to Jade, which is nuts. Um, Anyways, Robert Loja uh, is a, a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, and uh, you know I've never I, you know I've enjoyed Robert Loja. He's just he's an actor who's just there. That, yeah, you know, I don't that I'm like that's Robert Loja doing what he does. I always liked Robert Loja, but, but this was good. one where I was like where I could, because the rest of it is so kind of middle of the road where you could go oh fuck yeah Robert Loja, <laughs> you know what fucking a that's pretty cool what he what he brings yeah. It's supposed to be weird. Jane Fonda in the Glenn Close role. Who? Really? Yeah, they they went to Fonda. Fonda wanted to do it, and it fell apart. Huh. Yeah, well, I could see that. The the producer didn't like her. Thought she was too old. Well, Glenn guy Close named does. Martin Ransohoff. Okay. Crazy guy. The stories <laughs> Esterhaus tells about that dude in the book are fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh, shit, there's a whole there's a whole thing where they they shoot this. There's a sex scene in this movie where Jeff Bridges and Glenn Close have sex, and uh, not very, nothing. None of the sex is graphic. No, but that's exactly the problem. This guy did not think it was hot enough. He's like, you can't see your ass. 
<laughs> like he, he was mad that you don't see her right. naked and like they had a closed yeah. set and stuff. But the, for whatever reason, they had to reshoot the scene. Hmm. And he just kept like basically harping on Glenn Close, like saying she's too fucking fat. What? He was just a, he was just an asshole. He hated wow. Glenn Close. Good Is this God. guy dead? I believe he's dead. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, probably, <laughs> but he was—he was extremely powerful. Like this was a sure. famous, powerful this is probably producer. Probably, I'm still seventy-eight percent of the kind of yeah. power people I'm that still, women had to deal with in Hollywood, and yeah. still. And did. she was not well known at this time. Like she was not, you know. Yeah, she. This is pre-fatal attraction. Pre-fatal attraction. Pre-pre one hundred and one Dalmatians. Pre Pre Air Force One. <laughs> she's in Air Force One. She's the vice president. Jesus Christ, I don't remember anything about Air Force One. Yeah, apparently, I guess we'll president. have to do Air Force One. At I remember some point. Get Off My Plane, and that Gary Oldman is in it. Remember Bill Macy? Oh, plays William H. The pilot? Macy's in it too. My favorite thing about I, that uh, movie is I everybody just, uh, that dies to save the president, not a tear shed. Yeah. <laughs> you who kill a thousand Iraqi babies to save a nickel on a gallon of oil? <laughs> you didn't would tell me about morality? Don't! No, get off my plane. Oh, get and they're trying plane. to get Jurgen Prock now out of jail. Yeah. That's the pulp. Air Force One. I, now we're just getting <laughs> we're into just Air getting Force One. We'll yeah, do this mind. real briefly. But the, but that it, whether you love or hate that movie, it has Gary Oldman smashing fucking Harrison Ford's face <laughs> into stuff a lot, and it's great. Yeah, he's just like ramming Harrison Ford's face into shit, and it's like that's pretty cool. That's what um, I'm here for. Oh, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. But I, before we before we close out before we close out jagged edge. Oh, I want to we want to we want to I want to talk about the the titular which I was which I wasn't expecting. Because yes. I thought jagged edge, I thought it's like it's about how you know this guy's got a jagged edge or this relation. You know, it's like a metaphoric title. Literally in the movie, more than once, they talk about how this knife that murdered these women has a jagged edge. Yeah, that's one of the key pieces of evidence. This, is, this, this guy, guy keeps... finds this knife in Jeff supposedly finds a knife in Jeff Bridges' locker. And what, at the country what, club. what did the knife look like? Well, it, it had an edge with jags on it. <laughs> oh, a he jagged said that edge. Several times. Oh, it yeah. had a jagged edge. Yeah, yeah, it was a jagged edge. You know, an edge <laughs> with jags. Huh. <laughs> Oh, a an more, edge with jazz. According to the book, more that than was once. the original. I don't remember what the original title of this movie was, but like a, some secretary was like tasked with coming up yeah, with yeah. a better title for it, and she was like, for the, "Oh, she." So she went through the script page at a time, looking for phrases in the movie to I call mean, it, and so that's why they landed. Kudos on the to that edge. secretary because it yeah. is a great. It's a great title, Jagged Edge. It's all, yeah, it's an awesome. It's title. just funny that it actually. I was not expecting there to be an actual like. Uh, it's, it'd be like if they were, you know, she. This this murder this murder is uh, this murder seems like she knows what she's doing. This killer has a basic, a basic instinct. instinct for murder. <laughs> Original title of Basic Instinct: Love, love Hurts. There's a love yeah. There's a sliver. There's only a sliver of truth to whatever this well, guy they, says. They say the movie. They say the title Jade a lot in Jade. Yes, they do. They do. They do. But that is a character's, That's a character's name, name, so it of. makes more sense. But this one was sort of... I was not expecting Jagged Edge to be yeah. Uh, yeah, in with, the movie. Without more, question, more than some once. variation of Jagged Edge probably 30 times. Yeah. Like, it's a lot. <laughs> Just constantly. I, I prefer an edge with Jags. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, can't an believe ed- that he Jagged Edge, huh? Jagged well, edge. Well, no, uh, no, an edge an with Jags. Jags. Jags oh, on it. Oh, oh. Oh. Yeah, I found I it in his locker. It was uh, it was like a knife, got a smooth edge, and uh, you know, an edge. Uh, what do you call it? With the uh, it's the got jags. Little, uh, little bumps. Uh, jags. Yeah, Jags. That so. was the guy. That was uh, <laughs> the business with the knife in the locker. And one of one of my That's favorite the other things piece, that key turns piece of up. Evidence. One of, this is a thing that I've been noticing a lot. Uh, is the thing that turns up in these like California-based um, movies? Is there's always some fucking New Yorker there? Oh, yeah. Like, I've been living in fucking San Francisco since the day I was born. This Boom. is what You're I like, sound What's like. What's this guy doing here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was born on the fucking Golden Gate Bridge, baby. <laughs> what? Yeah. Why he's actually giving a guy a shave with a straight razor while he's doing <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, Pretty exactly. much. Hey, I told you what the knife had jags on it. He's got, a, he's got a, like a grinder in one hand. <laughs> 
<laughs> I tell you, when I was growing up as a baby in the Haight Ashbury district, that fucking. Oh, boom! Well, now he's dice. <laughs> just dice. I don't know. Who, uh, you who, had, who lives in San Francisco in that movie, uh, that Woody Allen movie, Blue Jasmine? No, oh, that's right. But it's sounds a, like Andrew Dice Clay. It's dice. Yeah. <laughs> you had one more thing? Uh, I was going to say the exact the same thing. Oh, the Jagged Edge. I just wanted to mention that, that I un- unexpectedly j- the title I can't pops believe up. We almost forgot about that. As a Thank line. God. As a line. Thank multiple God. times. Multiple times. All right. Well, let's get to ratings. Judds. Let's get to some ratings. Two Judds. Judds. Two Judds. Hmm. Yeah, I give it two. Two and a two and a half. Two. two for the legacy of the twist. Two. Yeah, I mean two. Well, I, you know what? I might even go as high as two and a half. I'll nah. say two. I, I'm gonna, I just I'm didn't gonna like give it, it three. I, I don't think it's two remarkable, but I don't think it's bad. Oh, I was bored. Yeah, I was, I was mostly bored. You know, I'm going two and a half. I'm going two and a half Judds. I thought that uh, Glenn Close was very good in it. I really liked Robert Loggia in it. Yeah. it, it had, Jeff it had Bridges is apparently a non-entity in and this I, movie. And we, we haven't talked, talked about it. We haven't, we haven't talked a lot about Jeff it, but Bridges I really... was all that exciting an actor. Yeah. I, liked, I remember... Uh, Peter, Peter Coyote in it a lot, too. It's before uh, See You in the Morning. Good. It's before The Mirror Has Two Faces. It's before Your The Big Lebowski. That's before, <laughs> before... I remember when the Coen brothers did The Big Lebowski. It was following up Fargo in there because they announced the cast, and it was like we were all excited about the next Coen brothers movie. And it was like Jeff The Big Bridges. Lebowski. What? And then it was like the head the star was Jeff Bridges, <laughs> and I remember being like, who fucking cares about Jeff Bridges? Because <laughs> he only became like a really exciting actor after that. Well, I think people Nobody looked back... about Macy before, I think people looked I mean, like, back on exactly. his career... After that, and went like, oh, he's because Jeff Bridges has been doing interesting stuff he's been his whole career. Since early 70s. Starman is fucking great. Yeah, Starman's Actually, great. No, he was a Oscar, child actor too. He and he Oscar nominated, Oscar for nominated Starman. for Starman the year before Jagged Edge. Yeah. He's great in that. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I think that like Lebowski sort of put him on this weird pl- place where people went like, Jeff Bridges has been here this whole time. Let's take, and then people went back and went, Jeff Bridges has actually been pretty interesting. Yeah, his whole career. We he just, just sort of seemed very bland up until that point. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. he's fine in this movie. He's fine. He's he does exactly what he's expected to he's do. He's a cipher. He's, yeah, he's also cipher. he's also doing that that role that like Harrison Ford had in Presumed Innocent and sort of like Sharon Stone sort of does in in where it's supposed to be like you're supposed to think this person is guilty, this person is not guilty. The whole to- the whole movie. So it's kind of that like weird razor's edge these these actors have to walk where they're like they can't act to till guilty, yeah. but they have to act like uh, which Madonna couldn't do in Body of Evidence. <laughs> but yeah, like yeah. You're like she's either guilty or I, mean, I don't care. I'm she's just not guilty I'm, of anything. That's true. <laughs> Except at the end, she is. She boned him real good. <laughs> that's, that's what she does. She fucks. She yeah. Fucks. Uh, anyway, all right. So Douglas's uh, zero scale. Uh, scale of one to five. I did Douglas's. not find any sleaze to in this movie. Yeah, like a half a Douglas. Because it's I just think a half a Douglas. There. Like uh, you the, know what? I'm gonna give it sex, one. The crime that that is originally committed is pretty brutal and yeah. semi sexual. All right, we'll call it one. It's then. like a little bit. I'm gonna give it one because of uh because of all the gr- just the dialogue. All the fucks. I'm gonna say just for the dialogue. And the dialogue is saucy because the dialogue is Esterhaus dialogue and it's so it's like y- you oh yeah. often but it's it's weirdly it's just peppered throughout there where you kind of go like oh god this Law and Order episode is long and then all of a sudden he'll say some gross like Robert Lodge just talk some, about my cock yeah like, like oh what what happened Sean, I know you I should have written more yeah. Law and Order episodes <laughs> with Jerry Orbach would be walking around saying this guy's got a rap sheet as long as my cack and wake up for a second um, and I want to propose from uh, from now that uh, that we give each that we give each movie a uh, our own special rating too oh so hmm. so just if you have any ideas. I'm giving it five Peter Coyotes because I rarely see Peter Coyote have so much screen time. Well, I'm giving it 30 Jags. 30 Jags. Uh, nice. Five out of five. Uh, five out of five Peter Coyotes, by the way. I'm going to give it five glasses of orange juice for Robert Loggia. 
<laughs> everybody, everybody, YouTube Robert Loja orange juice yes. commercial. You will not be disappointed. You, will absolutely. If you haven't seen it somehow. Yeah, truly one of the finest. That's things. what he was true. That's what he was actually nominated for an Oscar yeah. for was his performance in that orange juice commercial. <laughs> and when and showing up in Independence Day two as a corpse. <laughs> he oh, does. Boy. I haven't seen Independence Day. That two. shit was grim. It's yeah. just like he's real old and not not doing good anymore. Yeah. And they wheel. They basically. I mean, like, they wheel, they him, wheel out. him out. It's bad. Oh, they should his his like estate. Or he doesn't whoever, have any dialogue. Whoever it's, allowed that to happen should not have allowed oh, it to happen. Geez. It's unfortunate. Well, well, I mean, maybe he needed money from from that. I guess, yeah. Let, I him, let him have it. It's like fine. best case scenario, but it, yeah. it's like a man who doesn't look it's, like he knows where he it's is. Not particularly boy. dignified. Yeah, it's oh boy. Well, on that note of uh, <laughs> a bunch of people betraying Robert Loja's trust and putting oh, him in that movie, let's move on to good. our next movie. Oh, good segue. I feel dirty. How many others do you think they're going to kill? And how dirty do you think you feel if you didn't do anything about it? I'm in too deep, Michael. My loyalties are all screwed up. I can't stand it anymore. I never said you had to sleep with him, did I? I didn't sleep with him. I made love to him. You have to go back in. Betrayed. Betrayed. A movie that I feel I'm going to have to be the advocate for. Good. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, this is this is one of the most insane movies I've ever seen. It's it. This, <laughs> Please this describe movie the, is fucking describe insane. Describe the plot. Of describe the plot. It actually has. This is one of those movies. By Joe Esterhaus, directed by Costa Gavras, who did Z. This mm-hmm. is a whole missing, uh, side. missing, missing Costa prestige. fucking Gavras, very respectable director. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Except this for is maybe a Mad whole City. other side. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're not all winners. It's not perfect, but Z is amazing. Um, this is this is um. A very well-made movie, very well-acted movie, and it's a quintessential story. And it's very Joe Westerhazy, but in a different way, because it's sleazy and sensational, but it's not sexual. It's and it like, has pretensions of class and, and pretensions and, of class. Well, it's but it's the sleaze and the shockingness is yeah. not sexual. It's racial. Yeah, because this is a story where someone g- where someone goes undercover and gets into deep with fucking white supremacists. Yeah, and kind of comes away with a certain degree of sympathy for the fucking white supremacists. A little bit. It's it's weird. I couldn't believe it. Well, okay. Well, so you your takeaway was different from mine and I, th- I think different from Matt's then too. Okay. So yeah. the plot, well the plot is that uh there's uh, there's this famous. It starts with this famous uh, like radio. It's talk uh, radio. Talk radio jock. Yeah, it's the same, it's same. Essentially, same story. Same story. That talk essentially, radio like based ta- on. the the whole movie of talk radio done in the first five minutes yeah. of this movie. And these these guys come and murder him, and they, they write murder. Some, they murder the provocative murder talk radio shock jock. They they write something. He was a Jew, he was Jewish too. Yes, yeah, so they write Zog. They spray paint Zog on his car, which, is, which stands for like Zionist occupational government. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they so they write that. The shocking car, the shocking jockey is like introduced. His first line is, "Do you have any views?" on lesbian priests yeah, yeah. so he's uh, he's the kind of sh- shock about, jock who uh, covers all topics he talks about sh- things like she males his word not mine he feels <laughs> like he feels of all the characters in this movie he feels like the surrogate for Joe Esterhaus yeah yeah like he's bit. like the guy who yeah. he's like not that he's sympathizing with but he's like gonna go like you know what this is all the stuff I wanna fucking say yeah, he's like, and so I'm gonna like say it you know, tell it like it is and very much like the um, uh, Bogosian in right. in yeah. Oliver Stone's talk radio he's a button pusher um, yeah He's a button pusher. So he gets murdered, then uh, cuts to Deborah Winger working on a working on a farm. That's, that was what was in, uh, like I was into it from from this point because it has this. It's like you're in the city. Yeah. It's a shocking jockey, and he's then, saying stuff, and you're like, well, "What's going on?" And then he gets mowed down. You're like, "Oh!" And then it cuts to the fucking heartland. Yeah, right. and like combines. Yeah, yeah. it's, well, it's like, I think it's, I think it's great. It's great. And so Tom Berenger 
comes up to her. He, she's new there. She's a, um, what do you call it, like a transitory worker. So she's working this. Apparently this, they're bringing in lots of women to drive combines right. so for she's, the season. She's driving a combine for the season. Tom Berenger sees her. He kind of is like, oh, she's cute. And so he starts flirting with her. They kind of have a whole thing. Very and hunky, farmy, farm type kind of guy. She's like, Manly. I'm not here for too long. But, you know, oh, she started. So they kind of start almost a, like a little bit of a, a, you know, a cute little romance. Then it then it cuts to her back in the city, back in the city, going mm-hmm. into the FBI. FBI headquarters, and she's actually an undercover FBI agent, like Travis said, who's getting into because they're trying to find the guys who shot murdered the radio, murdered the radio yeah. jock, because they're thinking this is gonna be this is like gonna right. ha- help us topple this white supremacist group that's you know a disease throughout the country. Yeah. Um, and I think that I I love I love I love that setup. It's great, and also Deborah Winger and she's Tom, one of my favorite actors. So, so then that's the whole movie, and then she gets she gets in too deep. There's some ridiculous scenes. Deborah Winger and Tom Berenger, I think, are both fucking great in this movie. They're, Everyone's they're, good. It's a good. movie. They're better than they're better than the movie. I would say. I think the movie is. I paraphrase Roger Ebert here when I read his his review is that like everybody seems to be wanting to make a good movie, but everybody's on a different page. It seems like because uh, <laughs> Esther House seems to want to make like a thriller. Costa Gavras wants to make it very political, and then these actors are just like, "We're doing the best we can." With and it kind of feels like it's almost at odds with each other mm. a little. Like his other movies, Esther House movies we've covered are very much like this director. Yeah, this director's doing the, the script, mm. and this one feels like it is, but it's also uh, Costa Gavras taking it in his political because he's very very political filmmaker. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought it was kind of great, kind of also not great. Here, here's what I here's what I, the beginning of what I found fairly astonishing about this movie is uh, is like so that that's the premise. The, the setup that you just described there is like the first 15 20 minutes where yeah. she's like you know she's undercover, she's with this guy, he's kind of charming in his way and she's it and she's attracted on, it to him. It goes a chunk longer than that cuz I'm like but you, not meet, that you meet the long. whole community you know something's up with Tom but Berenger. You, fi- you find out, like, they don't hold out to the end to, for you to find out that he is a white supremacist terrorist. No, no, no. You no, find no, out no. before the halfway mark. Yeah, yeah. yeah because absolutely. he, like, so first of all, there's, first, there's like first a couple, date, essentially. There's yeah. a couple drip drops of, of her going, like, hmm, maybe that's concerning. Because she, she goes to the right. church with them. And the and the priest is like this fucked up priest or, or minister, I'm assuming. Um, but he uh, he's like just railing from the pulpit. He's going, "Ain't the same country I grew up in. Bad pushes out the good. There's filth and trash every place." Uh, oh no, that, that's the grandma. Sorry, <laughs> that's the grandma. And then someone say, and then Tom Bar- she she brings out some white cake, and Tom Berenger says, "This is the best, best white, white cake, cake in the in whole the- white world." Yep. He really says that. This is on their first date. Anyway, so then they go to a church, and the and the and the preacher is like, "Our children's minds are poisoned with filth. People say we come from apes, sexual disease, promiscuity, and perversion." And then he goes off about What's judges, like? yep. judges, judges setting yep. setting criminals free. Um. It's it's incredible, and then and then she's in the church listening to this guy go. This is a troubling speech for for a troubling church, and she's just kind of like moony eyed looking at Tom Berenger. Yeah, it's very looking weird. at that square jawed Tom Berenger. Well, yeah, yeah. I think the problem with the movie is that it. For, well, first of all, it it doesn't. Some of the plot stuff just doesn't make any sense, but. It doesn't offer her a lot of agency. Like she falls in love with this guy. It's the, very, it's the same as Glenn Close in uh, Jagged Edge. Yeah, and and then and then it's like. So you're here investigating white supremacists. It's clear that they're white supremacists. Oh, yeah. And then she goes back. I mean, before a certain plot element happened, the plot development happens in the movie, she goes back to her handlers at the FBI, and she's like, I don't think there's anything there. Because she's in love with them. She's in love with them. But... Okay, well, There's so... Totally but then something so, so can happens. we talk about like, their... Is it, of... is it their first date? Essentially, their first... 
uh, date because the first date was like meeting the f- dinner yeah, with the she family. Comes over the family. The first date date where they're like, let's go out. He's like, he goes, we're gonna go hunting. You gotta come hunting. That's not their very, first date. They've it's been like going sec- out. Uh, no, no, but well, I would they're say they're in a relationship at that point. But, it, but it, really, uh, I think that, I disagree. They, I think that they are like they would be described as dating yeah, at this point. I would, yeah, but it's like it's but, been a few months. Anyway, the point is that I think it, it's this, been months. I think it's I been, do. Yeah, she's been undercover. she's been undercover for the whole the whole summer. Well, okay, it's it's hard to get a gauge. Regardless. It's like he's been sort of showing two signs in here. <laughs> One way or and another, it's, it's too soon. soon. It's yeah. too. It happens too. I don't. It's, yeah, that's that was my point. I don't think it's. I don't know how long it had been. It just. It's like this is the kind of the thing that he springs on her, and it, he's he's given only little hints like I don't like how the world is. Blah blah. You know, he says like a kind of racist thing against like. Arabs, maybe here and, he, and there, and he calls the other. And guy you're kind of like, you're kind of like, yeah. okay, but it's not very. He like... He says stuff that certain that like politicians even even today might say, where you're kind of right. like, well, I guess I know where like, you're coming geez, from. That's but not... it was, but it's kind of filtered. It's not, yeah. but right. So, so she's kind of going like this. So I think as an investigator or whatever, she's going like, well, this guy isn't like a neo-Nazi. She's not thinking, you know, she's not thinking that. And he's just a. Not, he's just a. He's not a white supremacist. He's just a Heartland guy. So until, and that's why I'm saying I think that this date. That's why it seemed like their first. I mean, I don't mean first date like they hadn't been dating. I mean like this is the first date where you're like, oh, now I know. I I know this right. person now. Like they, they take. He takes. He goes. Let's go hunting. It's a very charming scene where he's go. You yes. gotta say yes. Him you gotta say yes. And she go goes out to the woods. Goes, oh, I don't want to go hunting. I don't hunt. Okay, fine, fine. I'll go hunting with you. Thinking. They're gonna go hunting. They get out there. They've all got fucking assault Uzis. rifles, Uzis, yeah. machine guns. This is before the halfway mark. And one of them is uh, of the one of them is Frazier's dad. Yeah, John Mahoney. John Mahoney. John Mahoney. Ted Levine. Also John Mahoney's Buffalo great Bill in this. From Buffalo. Of the Lambs. And uh, he's he's very suspicious of her. Yes. He does, he also is to the credit of the other white supremacists in <laughs> this group. They think that she shouldn't be there. Which. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I th- considering what's about to happen on this date, there is in fact not have no amount of time. There is no amount of time that you could have dated this woman that you should bring her on this date. <laughs> like these guys, like are you like, could be married to her for seven years, you still want to keep this from her. Which is a plot point later that he was married to someone before, oh, and boy. essentially had, had the, her, the, the had father of the mother of his children, and had they he had her killed. Because she, he's such a bad. Because she couldn't white supremacist. Because she couldn't terrorist. get. Because she couldn't get behind it. He didn't kill her himself. The uh, uh, Ted, Lev- Ted, Ted Levine. Ted, Ted Levine. Levine did it. Um, Ted Levine's not his brother. It's just like his no, friend. Right? Like but a, yeah. so so she goes. They go out in the woods, and what they're hunting is a kidnapped black man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to the um, death. And it's pretty. It's hey, they pretty give him a gun rough. and tell him he gets a ten second head start. It's the most dangerous game, sort of thing. Yeah, and then with, with a wildly then, insane racist angle. Yeah, and uh, so so that happens. So that, that happens. happens. They kill this kid. They kill this kid, and it's they like the him. thing where they go like, "You got your chance to." Hunt. And then once he starts shooting back, then they are like, "We're gonna just kill this guy." Yeah, they're like, "How dare he fight back?" Don't they, right, don't it's they very... catch him and doesn't doesn't someone like give a gun to Deborah Winger and go like you yeah. have to kill him? Yeah. Yes, 100%. This happens. Yeah. And this, this is, is and that's what I mean. This is essentially like their first but they, this is essentially but like where she's first seeing like that, this is what this guy really is. Standing, they shoot him to death in front of her. Yeah. She does the whole like no scene. She is very upset about it at that moment. She like As she like would be. she like goes back to her hotel where she's staying. She fucking she leaves freaks out. Yeah. that night. She goes back to the FBI and tells them that yeah. all of these guys that live in this town kidnapped a black guy, they took him into the woods, chased him into the woods yep. and murdered him. They and they're him. like there's nothing we can do about it. It doesn't <laughs> tie them to the radio murder. 
don't she care. Goes, she goes. So she goes. They're gonna. She says they've. I, they've done this before. I know they've done this before. They did it now. I watched it happen, and they go. There's nothing we can do about it. We would never be able to find any of those bodies. Her handler is John Hurd. Her handler is John Hurd, who's maybe the worst man in the uh, movie, full of white supremacists. Well, <laughs> well, because he keeps he keeps like hitting on her too. He's like, I yeah. miss your ass. I mean, he's he's, he's very sexy. Now get out there and put your life. He's at not. Risk. A, he's not a white supremacist, but he's also he's in the. It's like all the men in this movie are presented in the way of that she's there because they're putting her in these impossible situations constantly um and she's like he's he doesn't even like he just like i like your ass anyway go back in there with those white supremacists that you know are bad guys and we're in and we're in no we can't arrest it's like that line in uh my favorite line in death wish three uh where the cop guy the cop is talking to uh charles bronson and he goes hey look i don't i hate creeps just as much as you do but i can't do anything about it i'm a cop (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you're like, that makes no sense. You should be the only one. Anyway, it, that, the, whole, the whole idea they that they can't doing find that. the body. I mean, like, I don't want to say like we should trust the cops, but a federal agent's sworn testimony in court is as good as I physical think, evidence. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna go. <laughs> like, it seems like that's the whole reason to send someone that's why like that she's undercover. There. Yeah, is to. But but also yeah. also it's that whole thing that always happens in these kind of movies where they're like, well, we don't want to arrest them just for that because that would get like these four guys or whatever these six guys. They want to. They need. They want the whole network. He wants the whole network, so he's right. waiting for her to to get more information. But some, about somehow this whole the network. radio guy is gonna get them the network. Okay, fine. Right. That's well, I guess because it was a high profile. Killing, sure. I guess, is the so thing. And so these other ones are not. Let's which is, table the racist murder for a second. Okay. <laughs> if we can. <laughs> That's something you don't hear very often. She goes back undercover. She sure and does. And still likes him. <laughs> well, here's a line that she says to uh, to John Hurd when because he's he's it's a there's a little bit of notorious thing going on where he's making her do this sort of stuff and also shaming her for it at the same time. Yeah, and he says something like, uh, "You slept with him," and she goes, "I didn't sleep with him. I made love to him." Uh. So boy, oh boy. Yeah, we're, I, it, it's just the, that thing, and this happens in movies sometimes where someone gets in too deep <laughs> with a certain group, but it's usually like a a group of two violent anarchists yeah. or criminals where there's mm-hmm. like some sort of and somebody got killed on a job. Surely you don't like the way that they're doing it, but they got maybe something. Right, something, it's not yeah. like the bank robbers in these, Point Break. These are the most <laughs> loathsome people in the fucking world. They're like Nazis. They are Nazis. They're, they're neo Nazis. They go. There's a whole like they go to a neo Nazi training camp. Yeah, but they they keep on trying to parse John uh, um, Tom Berenger's level of evil, which is one of the things I can't stand about this fucking movie. <laughs> is they go to this like sort of all this sort of all white supremacists carnival, right. where like you got all you got your KKK guys burning a cross. There's males angels you over got, there, and then you got the guys who are actually walking around with like the Nazi uniforms with yeah, yeah. the swastika armbands. And they don't like the bands. Nazis. And, and Tom Berenger them. is like, I don't I don't cotton to those fucking Nazis. Right. And, and then my like, granddaddy fought you in the war. And yeah. He's, and he's constantly being he's not the movie's not necessarily saying he's a good guy but it kind of likes him a little bit well it's definitely coming at it from the new york it's like the new york times articles where they keep interviewing the trump voters and they're like what's going on why do we we need to sympathize with these people uh, to bring that they might have a you gotta you gotta think about their what's what's their social anxiety that's causing them to behave this way it's like oh nobody cares man well that's that's (laughs) the movie uh, sells him as as a bit principled in certain ways like he's standing up for his beliefs you may not agree with his beliefs but you got to admit he's in your life it's very fine people on both sides yeah fuck you yeah like, and, i couldn't stand that uh, and yeah and well that brings us to the elephant in the room too when you mentioned the trump 
which we're gonna get. Of I guess course. we're gonna have to get political this is, on this. This is the only time uh, we're we gonna have to get political. We have. But I mean, huge a little bit because that's because watching this movie, it like was weirdly. It's weirdly timely because yes, it was shocking. Yes. Because I was I was not exp- I didn't really I didn't know what it was about at all. And so watching it go, oh fuck, this is. A, you could read. They could actually. Someone should. I'm gonna throw this out there. Someone should do. A, like sort of a remake of this because they could you could make a much better version of this movie mm-hmm. now not written necessarily by Joe Esterhaus certainly not that was like sort of like how like it, it, it would remind me of something like Sicario yeah with this woman getting in with this group but also like maybe don't make her actually in love with right. the guy yeah you know because maybe when you that Catherine Bigelow we got an idea for Ooh, you boy, oh, <laughs> I know oh I would love to watch that movie but, yeah, right? but touch on this um like this this side of the heartland where there are where like this sort of standard conservative belief that we all are accustomed to breaks off into this radical shit yeah and right. and becomes like scary and like in terrorism because it's stuff. about that would be fascinating it's about now and I think when this movie came out it was probably more of uh, to, to a lot of people who saw this it was more of like a like a whoa! This is a fantasy. This oh, one hundred percent. This they is talk, not. It talks about in the in the Estras talks about in the book how some of the reviews, a good portion of the reviews, were yeah. like this is this is ridiculous. It's too much of a fantasy. Yeah. Like Ugh. this doesn't exist out there anymore. Oh. Yeah, like oh, that. This isn't happening like this. And then you know, in these the are the lunatic fringe. Weirdly, Estras sort of had his finger on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not. Something. That's kind of why I defend the movie because I think its methods yeah. and it's like what it actually does doesn't work. But what it's trying to do at the time it was trying to do it is pretty interesting. It's a the, remarkable uh, this movie exists. It's at, very Hollywood, but it yeah, is yes. an interesting idea. Well, and as as of the last like couple years, and they, I think they're not wrong that it was uh, like a lunatic fringe. It's just that that has become it's galvanized. It's now, galvanized yeah. now, and it's sent. It's a, a central thing and bigger. that like has <laughs> has like sort of risen risen up now. And so you, when you watch this movie, you go like, yeah, that's probably what they were doing. That's probably a very realistic portrait of like one of those meetups yeah. Yeah. where they're all meeting in the woods somewhere. Ago. Right, yeah, 30, 30 years, ago. years ago. And it's so weird to think now that you're like this is this is what's uh this is what's going <laughs> but on. Ag- but again, back back to the f- like if if that's what it was, then I would be like 100% on board and it would be a difficult movie to watch because I can't stress enough this movie is filled with racial epithets. Like this is instead of uh, Joe Esterhaus like cramming and stuff about people's dicks and people's and whatever, it's the N-word and and like every possible epithet that you can think of. And it's, a lot of and racial it's coming out of coming out of little a little girls. Oh mouth. yeah, There's that's a little what a hilarious character. scene that is, Jake. There's right. a little girl character, right. and, and the movie seems to find it hilarious that this seven-year-old is saying Did you the think most the movie thought it was hilarious? Stuff. I feel like it kind of thinks it is. Or I, I, I think, don't know. I think she's I alarmed so. by it. I mean, I yeah. think it's supposed to be shocking. No, Deborah Winger's absolutely alarmed by it. But yeah, she's, she's like, our audience surrogate. I think, I think Esther Haas, you know, I think Esther Haas personally stuff. may have been getting off on putting that in the movie because it's absolutely. a shocking moment, but I don't think the movie is sort of going, ha-ha, this is funny. No, not in that way. No, I don't think so. It's definitely needling in a provocative yeah, sort yeah. because the end of the movie is her after everybody Tom Berenger's dead and she goes back finally goes back to see this little girl and the other townsfolk are like you gotta get out of here but she's, but she's talking to this to this little girl and the the message I got from the end was that like hopefully her her reason to talks with this little girl like maybe did some good yeah well, well, we gotta get to that leaves, ending. I found the ending fascinating too. Because she but. leaves with the with like her grandma, but it's also like the little girl is like the yes. grandma's as racist as anyone. Right. Yeah. 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 And so I think Absolute that that monster. was what I got for it was like the, the white cake. Not, is not delicious, that there's though. not that there's like a hope, but just that there's that little bit of that little bit of like 
oh, maybe this little, you know, and that's yeah. like, and that's the only thing we can hope for. It's a very bleak ending either yeah. way, but it's like that little, the only glimmer of hope is that like, if you maybe can, we change if some we minds. can, if each of us, if we'll, each of us reasonable people who aren't uh, racist assholes can reach every child of these people. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still, it still is like a bleak thing, but that's kind of how I, what I got from the ending. But as to the stuff that but. really drives me nuts about this movie, and it's the both sides sidesism sort yeah. of thing. There's a scene in it that kind of, in a way, plays out like one of those New York Times articles where they go to the diners in Trump land and stuff like that and really try to... Oh, John Mahoney sits down yes, and talks to Yes, the John it. Mahoney sits down and talks with De- 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 Deb Brewinger. It's the first time that they've like been able to actually have a real conversation. And he is sold as this real gentle soul. Salt of the earth, who's tender. salt of the earth. And he's really thought about this sort of stuff. And it didn't look, hey, man, you may not like it, but this is the reality that we're dealing with here and and it and so and he and he's like talking to her about like where he came from and about what's happened to his country and she's like nodding and the movies in the movies like ugh, it's just gross cuz at a certain time at a certain point it just devolves into the, the, the racial epithet thing and and so he's just like and, and I'm just trying to preserve this wonderful heartland and my family and you know family and God and but these Jew boy judges and bankers I have to close my eyes every time I pull the trigger I have a good heart and the movie's kind of like man he's got a good I feel like that I don't do know. you feel do you, so you feel that the movie is, is I think the movie is sympathetic is, towards him to a certain degree not okay. not that it's sympathetic think, to his actions I but it's, I don't but I, I think that the movie is is in moments like that, poorly written and directed enough that it seems like we're giving this guy a pulpit. Because here's yeah. the, here's the thing, not a pulpit. Because I think that like the whole platform, the, the thing I got from the Tom Berenger part was that that the movie was siding with him, but that it was presenting him as uh, also as like a guy that she she could that she could fall in love with, even though he's awful. That she, it's he's a charming guy who you could also, and I don't think that's necessarily. I think untrue. The, I don't think that necessarily every like guy who's in, that it would that that's not necessarily like going like this. Would, I think the idea was that like this is just a regular guy you would see walking around one of these towns and then I, shit. I, oh, I think fuck. though that Travis's point is more that we're it's almost like we're legitimizing these claims by sure. making them seem yeah, like yeah, yeah, principled yeah. men. Yes. Right, 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 right. And the movie absolutely is presenting at least Mahoney and uh, and Berenger as to cer- to some degree principled men, and it may not might not be a principle you agree with, right. but they have fidelity to I their think, beliefs. I think it's I don't think it's quite that like <clears throat> uh, provoking. It's not like it might not be something you agree with. I just think he's trying to present them as like people who aren't convinced of their own evil. Sure. But it comes off but it's as poorly normalizing. Executed. Yeah. It's like, and that's, this is why I was thinking, and I kept on saying this to, to my friend when I was watching it with them was like, this could have been a good movie, but it's, but Joe Esterhaus is not the person. This is sensitive well, material. Nuance is not his and strong Exactly. Suit. And, and, and it's <laughs> yeah. all about nuance. And if you're going to try to sell something like that's that complicated, yeah. you can't have someone that writes with a fucking sledgehammer. Well, uh, yeah. Like, and, like Esterhaus. But given all of this, the movie is extremely anomalous in his career. Right. Yeah, that's what's so. It's such a weird. There's little nothing else like this. Blip. Because we're gonna Except talk about. Box. We're gonna talk about another movie after this. That's exactly like much this. more <laughs> of a joke. Like his other. I would recommend that you check out Music Box too, which is also directed by Costa Garvis, also written by Estras, and it's semi autobiographical. Costa Garvis, Estras. He worked um, with Verhoeven twice, Marquand twice, and and uh, Costa Garvis. Um, William Freakin. 
Who yeah. we hated. The, the people that directed these he hated Freakin'. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. Everyone I've, hates Freakin'. This movie, I don't know. This I didn't, didn't I didn't particularly like this movie, but I also was kind of like, hey, it's not. It's I not thought terrible, it was really interesting. But it's interesting. I definitely thought it was interesting. Can, can we get to the to the ending? Just yeah, cause, let's do the Because it, it keep it keeps going with this. Uh, well, this, they rob a bank this, at some another point. Another thing and that she, I and she shoots a guy. She, she shoots <laughs> a guy. She shoots a cop. Who well, doesn't? Security who, guard. Who doesn't die? Right. We, we were, we're reassured but later. But she's very upset she's about it. She's been busted by Ted Levine. Ted Levine yes. and Tom Berenger now know that she's undercover FBI. It's like uh, he finds out that she's a great big fat person. <laughs> right. Because they have government sources on a military base that they're buying a bunch of weapons oh, from. Oh, yeah, man. It goes, no, Ted Levine, to, it, Ted Levine, it goes all the way to the top. Ted yeah. Levine, does he know? Yeah. I don't think he does. He gets killed during he, the bank robbery. He, I think that's after he's come well, around. No, he does know. He, he does know actual... because it turns out that he gets killed during the bank robbery oh, right. by one of Deborah Winger's handlers who's there. We don't know why. Turns out later... They planted that guy there specifically to kill Ted Levine so that he couldn't rat her out. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Uh, but they, but you find out what basically they're. I think they have like a some sort of big project that they're building too at the end. And the project is uh, because these are just uh, in the end just horrible white supremacist terrorists. Their project is to go to these cities and kill members of minorities, uh, and that's it. Well, also they're trying to they they're they're. Their plot in this one is to frame her for a political assassination so oh, that their candidate can the, take over the campaign. That's one of the parts of it. But I, the, but at one point, Tom Berenger's like, I'm going to, uh, when you go out to San Francisco and pick off a bunch of blanks. Right, yeah. And then he's going to go to yeah. some black neighborhood and pick off a bunch of blanks. Like, there's, there's no way I'm saying any of this fucking dialogue. Yeah. Uh, and and, you're, and they're, they're, that's it. It's PC just, culture they're, they're run just, amok here. Yeah, I know. They're just going and killing minorities. They're, they're the most loathsome yeah. people Right, <laughs> imaginable. Yeah, and we're sh- and we're also shedding tears for the crappy shock jock at the beginning of the movie. A shocking too, like, jock, yeah, who like yeah. uses exactly the same kind of racial invective, just talking about what people are thinking. <laughs> right, you know, and he, he, any kind of slur you can imagine that guy uses in the first five minutes of the movie. Ugh. But it but it comes down to Tom Berenger is going to be the guy to, to shoot the uh, the politician uh, from yeah. the window and Tom, and Deborah Winger like confronts him and it's real dramatic it's real like she's like please don't make me do this right. because she loves him and you're like Jesus. just shoot him he's also like abused her at this point <laughs> yeah. and like uh, and just it, it, yeah he's just so awful in the movie still keeps. Like making me think that it's the movie still keeps po- posing the idea that I should care whether or not he gets killed, and I'm like Deborah right. Winger, shoot him in the fucking head. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I like it's because it's 30 years old or something like that. I like both sure. of them enough in it that I like that I like was watching it, kind of buying into their their romance though, because I think they're both very good actors, even though kind of going like, yeah, just fucking this guy's this guy's a ra- this guy's a racist piece of shit. It's the worst. Well, Esther uh, Huss is not notable for writing women with a lot of agency. That's absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, even in the case of Basic Instinct, it's like she's just a constant. Which is the best case scenario. Yeah. for an Esther Huss. Speaking of or best maybe case, showgirls. Speaking of best case scenario, uh, she ends up shooting Tom Barron. But someone else ends up shooting the person that he was trying yep, to shoot. Because they, of right. course, had a backup. But, plan. but the cops dragnet like closes in on everyone. They catch everyone. The, the, basically, in the end, their whole plan worked. They they, they stop bust the everything. whole network. Yeah. They bust the whole network, and Deborah Winger still feels betrayed because yeah. they used her. So the people, the person who was betrayed in this is Deborah Winger. Yes, yeah. she is the betrayed. And then she like quits her job. She does like a. Keanu. She goes on a bender. She goes on a bender and just drifts around. I, lo- I love yeah. that. I love the ending where she's just like. Drinking in bars alone, just being like, get away from me, the men who approach a, her. A cowboy, appro- like another stoic cowboy is like, you want to dance, little lady? And she's like, no. 
<laughs> I've been hurt before by she's a just, similar type of man. She's just a broken. She's just a broken drunk. A broken husk. Yep. So and then she stupid. goes back to Tom Berenger's uh, town and goes and meets her children out of a church. It's yeah. dumb. It's, it's dumb. It's dumb, I guess. But it also reminded me of the ending of Sicario. They do the same thing to Emily Blunt in that movie. I don't think that the two movies have that much in common. <laughs> no, no, no. But I think that I think that that's how I felt at the end of Sicario too. I was kind of laughing at like, oh, so the movie's just about now this woman's broken, and now it's about this other guy. Okay. Yeah. I. I, I that's I, a, that's a, that's another movie that I. I just didn't understand why why she was so broken up. She technically was successful yeah. in her in her mission. Like, is she just so devastated that she had her to kill this scumbag? Her heart was broken. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was all. I don't know if it was all heartbreak, and I think that like the script isn't the it wasn't directed and written well enough and also it's like that kind of movie from that period where it was like about an issue but was also like trying to just be an entertainment so it was like also it's a also it's a romance between these people and i think God. had it been presented more about because at the end when she's broken you can think about it also that like because she kept going back to her handlers and she kept getting put back in this impossible situation and so like not that necessarily she needed to fall in love with this character but that like by the end like She's fucked no matter what. Like if they win, she's fucked. If they lose, she's fucked because they've they've broken this woman by by constantly making her. She's every every scene when she meets up with John Hurt, she's like, "Where the fuck have you guys been?" Oh, sorry, we had a thing. And she's like, "This is my fucking life we're dealing with here." Yeah. So I've also felt like that was part of it. It wasn't just that she'd. I didn't feel like the whole movie was only about her. She was so devastated because uh, yeah. Tom Berenger but died. But like many like many but Joe the Ostra, screenplays, yeah. it's about a character, man or woman, who yeah. is uh, oblivious to the truth due to romantic or sexual. Obsession. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And now to think about it, like also the ending is like the ending with the little girl Same is, with Jack is, Edge. is also like they, they they broke the web, but also maybe like the next generation is just going to be just as bad. Yeah. I, so yeah. So I, I mean, I guess I, there's two ways to watch it. There. I thought the little girl was supposed to be hopeful at the end. That's, but that's what yeah. I was thinking until we were just talking about it now, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I thought but it was also like, like a the Godfather type ending where she was like talking to the little girl, and 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 then the grandma takes her away. It was like the door shutting, right? And it was like, no, this this world is is being closed to her. But that's but that's what I mean. But then this next generation, even though they've destroyed sort of this web, it's like, well, yeah, but it's not dead. But it's, it, it these is. feelings aren't dead. There's no right or wrong. It's an ending that's presented both take, sides. Take what you can. Find people <laughs> yes. on both sides <laughs> of the ending of betrayal. So that's a good way to to, to close it off. A right much there. more complex movie than we've uh, we're used to on this uh, yeah three and a half juds yeah yeah i think that's right i give it three I, and a half i don't and like three it, and a half douglas's because it felt gross it's out of this out of five right yeah i don't know if i can i don't know if i can give this i found it very entertaining fascinating to watch it's and fascinating very, very unpleasant hell. i don't because see the douglas's to me represent like Sleaze where it's like this is a this is a sl- I'll give it I'll give it three three Douglases I'm, because I'm going it was on gross. Douglases for making me just feel uncomfortable. It's gross. Sure, I guess, but it was just also like it wasn't like this is y- sleaze. It was just and, dripping with and, slime, and but it is wildly like, anti-feminist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but also but also everybody watched this movie with a grain of salt now and go like, man, this is. This is shit. This is what we're looking at. This, this is, is some prestige shit from 1988. This fucking the fucking people when they're at that camp. This is the these are the people in charge of the country now. Fucking <laughs> so yeah. this is this is his this really is, is this is his fucking base and uh, Trump's also, base. We've, we've been talking about how uh, TV took over so, these movies. Yeah, this is like a whole season of a show. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it really is. And a and a season where you're like, God, this could be shorter. This could be eight episodes boy, instead boy, of ten. Boy, boy, this could just be a movie instead. <laughs> and this and this show can and maybe even sh- and this speculative show can and maybe even should come out. Yeah, like I'd, make a think make so. a I'd show based on Betrayed, but I do it. So. But be smarter about it and like. Well, for a smarter, don't try to tell me. 
me that these people yeah, yeah. are like right. They're like cowboys. For or a smarter whatever. version of this, I mean, watch uh, Black Klansman, the recent movie Black Klansman. Similar, similer kind of right. uh, kind of idea, but like you know, without the romance, Matt, Adam Driver does not fall in love with a white supremacist. Sadly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm giving it three and a half and three and a half. I'm giving on, it. Uh, I'll give it three and a half. Judd's three. But I would. All, three I would. Douglas's. I would love to. I would just can't stress enough that I don't. I don't really like this movie, and uh, and it's repulsive in, in a lot of ways. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. It's a hard watch. It, it's fascinating as hell, yeah. but boy, oh boy, if you're sensitive to any of this stuff. It, it's rubbing your nose. If you're it. a snowflake, if you're a don't watch snowflake. Betrayed. And I'm giving it. Uh, I'm giving it uh, five out of five cartoonishly racist John Mahoney's. Ooh, yeah, Ooh. yeah. Because there's a part where he starts whooping and a hollering about how he gets to go blow up some, uh, some other some minorities in some town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm giving it five out of five white cakes. <laughs> nice, because they're delicious. <laughs> I'm giving it five out of five views on lesbian priests. <laughs> All right, so that's so that's betrayed. <laughs> truly, truly one of the most astonishing movies I've seen in uh, recent years. Freeze it right there. Magnify it. Mrs. Gavin, is that you on the tape? How could you let them do this to you, Trina? They didn't do anything to me, David. It was my choice. I was in control, and I liked it. She couldn't get enough of it. She loved it. I saw that side of you before. Oh, did the tape turn you on? Now let's move on to a movie that uh, isn't maybe not as bad, or at least from my perspective, no. maybe not as bad as you'd think, Certainly but not, not astonishing in any way. It's astonishingly, entertainingly bad. That's I, it. Okay, maybe. I kind of dug it. Yeah. I kind of dug it. I was I was going into this one thinking, this is going to be a fucking stupid mess, and you know what? It is. It is definitely it is stupid and a mess. In the best way yeah. possible. Oh, I, don't, I think you liked this more than I did. I did. I enjoy, we are I, talking about Jade from 1995, directed by Billy Friedkin. Yep. Written by Joe Esterhouse. Yeah, of course. Starring Linda Fiorentino, mm-hmm. Chaz fucking Palminteri, and, and my man David, David Caruso. Caruso. So you know, it's like just just by who just by who wrote it and the cast, you know exactly which you go like this is from a three year period in the nineties when David Caruso was a lead in a movie. Chaz yeah. Palminteri was that in he, movies that he ditched NYPD Blue for. Chaz Palminteri. I thought it, oh, you're oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. and Kiss of Death. Kiss yeah. of Death. And uh, Linda Fiorentino, who was all really only briefly in popular, movies. but Chaz Palminteri also. I was watching this movie, and I kept thinking, "Man, remember when Chaz Palminteri was in movies? That yeah, was that, then. Was, a brief, that was a brief little window of time too. And he was in a lot of movies in that period. He he did his Diablo. He got a lot of work in. Is he the poor man's Joe Montana, or the exact yes. same amount of? Uh, he's the poor man's Joe. I was watching this, going like, "I wish this was Montana." Because yeah. Montana, Man- it's an erotic thriller. Because if you watch, like, watch uh, if you watch those mammoth ones that Mantegna is in, like, yeah, uh, homicide like Homicide and House of Games, Mantegna is. Oh fucking yeah, Mantegna had a yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying Palminteri to meet and greet this Jade. Chaz Palminteri also, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's and he's Fat Tony. <laughs> he gets to be Fat Tony, fat which kind of puts so. him above everything. But also, but also, Palminteri is like uh, he's good, and he is good in things. But he he like quickly became like the go-to guy that acts like Chaz Palminteri or something. He he quickly like just owned like being the poor man's Joe Mantegna, and he was yeah. in Body of Evidence, Joe Mantegna. So and Joe oh, Mantegna boy. is fun in Body of Evidence. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I won. So yeah. All right. So this so this movie <laughs> I found. To be not what you might think that it is. There's also almost no plot to discuss. I'm glad we're not doing this. Uh, yeah, yeah, boy, it's, oh boy, it's, it's virtually. I'm glad plotless. we're not doing this on the Basic Instinct episode because some people might think, or at least I thought that it might fit in with the Basic Instinct and no. wannabes. It's not really like that. Not really. Although, it's a different thing. Uh, yeah, I would say that it fits in with only that uh, the two directors 
who I think sort of out of these ones we've done that sort of grabbed the Esther House uh, like vibe from the scripts and like ran with it were uh, Verhoeven and Friedkin. They they were both they're both. Uh, Don't such... tell Joe that he hated this movie. The Billy Friedkin he said rewrote almost sure. the entire script and took it away. He wanted to take his name off the movie. Sure, yes. okay, and he can fucking he clearly he didn't can fucking re- re- have... rewrite the whole thing because yeah. no. boy oh boy no he did not. Uh, <laughs> There's he, some freak, but, uh, nice and that's and that's stuff. fine for Joe Esterhaus to say, but I think he's wrong. I think that there because I think whether or not it's his dialogue. He gets the vibe of it, the same right. as Esther uh, Verhoeven did with Basic Instinct, where you're just like, they're both because they're both uh, very stylish, over the top directors. When given the right material, they will go like, "We're gonna sink our teeth into this." And yeah. Friedkin certainly sinks his teeth into this. I'm not saying it's great. It's not not as good as Basic Instinct. It's not as good as it's, most. It's most not movies. even good. It's, it's not even really. It's not even really good. And the ending is is uh, chopped is up nonsense. to the point where it's like not even existing. Yeah. Like yeah. by the end, it almost isn't a movie yeah. because the ending is so non-existent. Well, but, but there are parts there are, on. But there are parts in it where it's just Friedkin doing. It's like Friedkin. I co- I was thinking of comparing it to like uh like how the film the Palma's femme fatale to me feels like. Brian De Palma doing a Brian De Palma movie. Like you watch all these Brian De Palma movies, like you know what I should make a Brian De Palma movie. And so it's kind of in this one felt like that with Friedkin, where he watched all of his movies and went, you know what I want to make? I want to make a William Friedkin movie. Who right. does that anymore? Yeah. And like so he's just you're just like these car chases that are like there is- turned up to ten. This fucking score that Howard shorted that's like cranked up to eleven. You're like what? Right the from the beginning, great. you're like what is going on? This it's so. Uh, dramatic, and I, I kind of, I kind of dug it because of that. And, and there then, is a, one set piece in it that we'll talk about that is I, th- I found to be legitimately spectacular. Yeah, uh, that that was like this is a fucking what I like about William Friedkin. But let's, well, what is the plot of this movie? Good question. <laughs> There's not much. Some rich well, the first, rock star the first scene, guy is killed. Yeah, the first scene is the camera like walking <clears throat> through this house that has a bunch of like. African, African, African and stuff Asian and, yeah. stuff. And it's got the and score it's panning going, around. Yeah, <laughs> score's going nuts. And somebody's, two people are having an argument in the background, and then there's a murder. And you hear someone just get, getting like, like walloped see a lot and of, screaming. And you see a lot of blood. And the camera pans a to a door and blood pours out. But it's you're done like, in this, well. cra- this way where the camera's moving, and you're like, what am I looking at here? It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty in, cool. It's intriguing at the yeah. very least. And then we get, and then we get like possibly the quintessential Joe Esterhaus cops investigating oh, a crime oh, yeah. scene. You got scene. some dialogue from this. I got some dialogue. So from David Carradine. Well, first of all, actually, first then there's like a big like uh, like ball with uh-huh. all these rich people and politicians yeah, 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 and stuff. Yeah. David Caruso is an assistant district attorney. He used yep. to be a cop. <laughs> By the way, I realized watching a bunch of these movies that assistant district attorneys they get a apparently lot of are action. essentially cops. Yeah. <laughs> and they they get all the girls and do a lot of killing. Because that was also uh, <laughs> that was also Hackman in yeah. uh, Narrow Margin Narrow was Margin. an assistant district. And for the half of the movie, I thought he was a cop until this part where a kid's and like, "You're cut. not a cop," and I'm like, "He's not a cop." And they're law enforcement <laughs> right. in some way. They seem to have the ability to like bust people, according to these movies. I so, according to these movies, <laughs> at this party, David Caruso is the assistant district attorney. He runs into Linda Fiorentino, who's evidently his ex-girlfriend, and mm-hmm. she's now married to his buddy, who's a famous lawyer in his own right, but a private attorney, yeah. Chas, Chas Palminteri. And there's some flirting and some friendly jocular banter about, you know, you better not try to take my wife away from me, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, ha, 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 ha. Then everybody's pagers go off because uh, some rich guy who got murdered in the first scene, they're, they're brutally everybody murdered. finds out that he was murdered, so they all go to the scene. And then they go to the scene of the crime where this... 
desiccated husk yeah, of a body really, is hung uh, up against a wall. Because I up. guess all the blood is gone, and therefore every bit of stuffing yeah. inside the man's body yeah. is gone. And then the <laughs> cops have a field day with what's going on in this guy's house. Yeah, I mean, they're they're being very disrespectful to the crime One of the scene. cops is Michael Bean, by the way, which should indicate yeah. to you who might be behind some of these crimes. Yeah. Classic case <laughs> he of, like, a, well, why is he in it if he is Does he have a mustache uh, in this? Yes, he, he does. does. does yes. Can we, he has can the we, Hicks mustache from the abyss. Can we apply the... Can, can we apply the mustache rule to Michael Bean? Michael Bean like, has a mustache. He's bad. Yeah. Doesn't have a mustache. I think so. He's good. I think so. And does he have a mustache in Tombstone? Because uh, he is yes, bad in Tombstone. He does. And he does in and the, and the Abyss. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and a partridge and, but not, in a But not Hicks. But not in Aliens. Yep. Yeah. Not in Aliens. Okay. Not in The Terminator. Doesn't mean we're married. Mm. All right. So uh, <laughs> at one point, the, the cops are going around they and they find... <laughs> and they find these tins... And uh, and and, and while, while I was watching, while, while I was watching it, he like uh, opened it up and then was pulling like hair at it, and I was like, okay, he's found hair, and then oh, that's pubic hair, isn't it? And then at one point, one of the cops goes, either he collected pubic hair, or he's auditioning for a Clairol ad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. Is that the black cop or is it the fat cop? I can't remember who said it. I just those wrote are my down two the... favorite characters in this movie are like the two cops who are just constantly kicking out one-liners in this. Yeah, the media is going to turn this into an X-rated <laughs> gangbang. Christ, that's that is very Esther Hazy. Yeah, that's like one of the few Esther Haas lines you could actually and get away is, with on TV. And this is one of this is the like one of those quintessential scenes that you really never see anymore, where cops are going into these crime scenes and just being like cynical as fuck. They're so cynical that they can't even they don't even it doesn't register as anybody's died or anything's happened. They're just so fucking jaded that they're making hilarious one liners. On they're they're jaded. Out, they check out they're crime jaded. scenes they're for their own amusement. They're very jaded. Yeah, they, it's like they're not even on duty. There's yeah. a bunch of cops there just going. I'm just working on my. Uh, I'm just working out my solid ten. Yeah. I got to do a. <laughs> I got to go to the comedy cellar later and Are do you a guys fucking. D- recording any of this information or trying to build like a case out of it? No, no, no. We're just ah. telling jokes. No, this is just for my stand-up act. <laughs> Can I get a rum and coke? We'll have our interns come in here and do all the detective work or something. I don't know. Tip your waitress. Uh, it's ridiculous. And then uh, and then they go to talk to Richard Crenna, mm-hmm. the guru. And what is his relation to this? Why do they, does it matter? Because they find the pictures. Yes. Of oh, because the, the guy, the guy who's dead, yeah. was blackmailing people, and one of the people he was blackmailing is the governor who has who's been sleeping with this prostitute, right. Angie Everhart. Mm-hmm. And so they they go they go to talk to Richard Crenna. And who has the greatest line in the movie? It is the greatest line in the movie, possibly the greatest line in cinema history. <laughs> <laughs> this should be on his tombstone so if they, it's not. Rick, Richard Crenna gets pissed off as if Caruso is blackmailing him, and it's more like Caruso is going like, "Sir, we found this information. You know, you might want to be careful." And Richard Crenna says to him, "If anything, Caruso is helping him and <laughs> suppressing yeah, evidence." For, yeah. you know, anyway. Richard Crenna is. This, this will give you all the information you need to know about Richard Crenna as the governor. <clears throat> Wouldn't it just be a shame if one hairy little pussy and a thimble full of sperm were to affect the future of this great state of ours? <laughs> Beautiful. And then at one point he also says, I don't, I do the fucking, I never get fucked. Oh, I'm going to yeah. have to start keeping a tally of how, uh, how many times people say sperm in these movies. Because it's more than I would have, that's more than I would have thought. Not just in this one, but in other ones we've had people say sperm. They say sperm a million times in presumed innocence. It's just funny how many times they say, sp- end up saying sperm. <laughs> so anybody out there listening wants to do a supercut of all the times people say sperm in these movies <laughs> That we talk about. If you want to spend, if you want to spend ten hours on that, sperm, 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 sperm have at it. Sperm, sperm, it's like the sperm, Monty Python. Sperm, 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 sperm. Anyway, that's where the plot of this movie stops. 
Yeah. There's some investigating scenes, but they don't really go anywhere. There's, my my there's, favorite being the one where David Crusoe has to go to Chinatown to an underground gambling den mm-hmm. and talk to a guy to translate the character on the little pubic hair tin. And the guy is Egg, Egg Shen it's from, Egg Shen uh, from uh, Big from Trouble, Big Trouble in China. China yes. That's not the oh, actor's yeah. name. I don't remember the actor's name because I'm awful. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's amazing because it's like a 10-minute scene. I mean, it just goes on forever. And that's so he can find Angie Everhart. Right, he's and trying then to that track leads down him Angie to her, and then there's a whole chase sequence with her. And there's like, also she, an acting sequence. She's with doing. Her. She's yeah. She, I was gonna say she's, she's very much out she's of her. She's doing depth. her best, and she's clearly cast because she's like very tall. She's and very beautiful, beautiful, and willing to kick her cop and willing to like go on this, you know, do this stuff. But at the same time, like you're like, was there not an actress? And all, all the, and all, because she got cast in the movie, so it's not her fault. She was a bunch of people went, you should be in this movie, and she went, great, I want to be in a movie, and then she's not good. She's At the not, acting part. Do it. But the other part, you know, where she looks like Angie Everhart, and you're like, no, this is okay. And also, Great <laughs> car chase, though. This is this is, this is the scene. But the foot chase one. with her and David Crusoe is pretty good, too. And it's all this freaking shit where people are constantly running into other people, and it's like... He, you know, it he, reminded me of the same loves the collateral scene in the Presidio. Damage. It did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, was, which was also a pretty good... Uh, of the yeah. scenes in the Presidio, the only good ones were the ones where people were being chased or it was at a water factory. Yeah. Is this the car chase scene that goes through the parade? No. Okay. That was amazing. Because no, the car chase the, scene, the scene. There's that a foot the, chase and then a car chase. Okay. Yeah, because there's a foot chase, then there's a car chase, and the car chase has like several parts. Because she gets Angie Herbert is like his his witness in this. He's supposed to meet her at this place. He sees her coming across the street, and some fucking sports car runs her over brutally. brutally oh boy, oh boy, yeah. Brutally runs her over. So David Caruso goes over to her dead body and then goes like, call, tell someone else to call nine one one. And then he, because of his power as a assistant DA. Goes on a car, cha- a very destructive car chase through San Francisco. <laughs> through this is the one that goes through Chinatown, yeah, and uh-huh. through the parade. Incredible! Yeah. This is an incredible scene. And the China, the, the parade involving scene, hundreds of people. The parade scene is is like a sl- It's like it's, it's like slow and, carnage. And yeah. you know that's where Friedkin was like, I want to do the French Connection chase scene, but I want it to be very slow. Yes. He went, he took it instead of going him going very fast under a bridge. He's like, I want to go through a parade that's full of people and have it be very slow. Yeah, because like a it's and he just has these great overhead shots mm-hmm. of the cars like creeping amongst these people and these these people having their parade with these dragon uh these dr- giant like paper dragons and there's they're yelling and hitting this car and stuff and the whole time you're like yeah these people are in the right because like get well, the, what I, the fuck are you doing it's, it's well he's well david there's a, a black car that is a mystery car we don't know who's driving it that uh, that david caruso is chasing after and the black car is driven by some sort of psychotic who's mowing down people and shit david caruso is a good guy in this movie and the yeah, assist, yeah. assistant district da or whatever <laughs> and he's not trying to mow so he's no, actually no, no, no. he's at the disadvantage because the guy in the black car it doesn't give a fuck i'm just if saying these people, people are mad that he's in the right, parade but the people and, don't know what's going on so they, right. so it, it has a shot where like the yeah. the car's kind of gone around the parade and there's like nine people that are dead, covered in blood. They've been mowed over by this car. And David Caruso, it keeps cutting him. David Caruso's intense in this movie. He's trying really hard. And he's like <laughs> devastated. He like yeah. sees the carnage and is like, Jesus Christ, but yeah. I need to catch this guy even more now because look, he's, now he's really committed a crime. Yeah. And But the people just see two cars blazing through him. They don't know well, what's When the first happening. one goes is ahead, so they're he, yeah. so he's, so David Caruso's car is getting the brunt of like all this public attacking yeah, they, him. Like, back. They jump on yeah. him because they don't know the fucking difference. It looks like two cars plowing through a yeah, a parade, and he's kind of going like, I, I know, but seriously, let me go, and maybe I can catch. The-. He's not saying this, but you kind of right. get it from his also, though, body language. It does seem like a fruitless car. Like, couldn't he have just maybe written down yeah. the license plate number or something? <laughs> yeah, there's <I guess laughs> like, also that yeah. great shot where uh, the they're cartridge. going down the hill, and then the car like actually does the barrel roll over. Oh the hill. yeah, that was pretty cool. Was very cool. Yeah. But like, but that whole scene through the parade, I was just like, 
That's intense. That was a really gripping. Classic William Friedkin And it was very Friedkin-y. Yeah. Because Friedkin, at his best, uh, will direct an, an action scene that's very exciting, but also terrifying because you feel the um, yeah, yeah. You feel the stakes. Yeah. Friedkin actually claims this is his... I think he's... Well, at one time, at one point, said this was his favorite movie he'd made. Yeah, he's wrong. He's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. But that's... I think he's that's... He's either lying or very deluded. According to Estras, he was only hired to make this movie because his wife is the president of the studio at the time. Huh. Yeah. Estras seemed okay. to have a lot... Uh, hey, I'm just saying, against, according yeah, yeah. to the liar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> according to the famous According to the serial fabulous sleazebag. Because I, I read yeah. that stuff that Esther House was not pleased with how this movie turned out, and I'm kind of like, I think that he probably took a thing that would have been a boring by the numbers kind of thing had anybody yeah. else done it and he turned it into at least something I don't see where like, in the in the plot It's very overbaked but in a very appealing way Right and I think that Friedkin was smart enough to read it and right. go like geez this is kind of nothing but I had some ideas and I can take th- some of this somewhere yeah. because it fucking dies at the end Oh yeah well there's no I mean it turns out that Chas Palminteri did it because Linda Fiorentino was he had been cheating on Linda Fiorentino so she was dissatisfied in her marriage and because she's also like an adrenaline junkie or something right. who is into she was into like wicked sex, thrills sexy sex sexy thrills she started prostituting herself to all these famous men like yeah. wearing a mask build or as someone style. Named Be- build as Jade yeah yes. as somebody named Jade and she'll do fucking anything and she's like real pervy so these <sighs> so these like high powered like uh you know sex fiends politicians who wanted to get and, candle wax poured in their dicks or something yeah, like that yeah they want they want <sighs> Jade they want so. Jade and then Chaz Palminteri found out about that and started killing off people yeah. who she'd been with, especially the guy who was blackmailing the governor. he kills someone else. Meanwhile, also... And the governor yeah. had the two cops, yeah. Michael Bean and this other cop, on his payroll, mm-hmm. bumping off witnesses. So, yeah. they're, the so ones they're the ones who killed Angie Everhart. Yeah. And they didn't even find the thimble full of sperm. No. no. And so, yeah, so it, ends, it kind of just fizzles at the end because it kind of has a meeting with the governor where it's like, I guess you're not going to go to jail the end. It and has then, like a thriller action scene <laughs> that feels very tacked on, that looks terrible at the end, that kind of takes place all in the dark. Yeah. And it just wraps itself up. But uh, some of the stuff that I did think was interesting was that it, for a second there, it seems like they're trying to do the basic instinct, the basic instinct uh, thing where like this Linda Fiorentino character is a, she's a sexy demon lady who's mm-hmm. with sexy sex is killing people, but they don't hold on to that at no, all. She's no. actually really she's more the of victim. a victim yeah. well, and than anything else. She'd played, I think part of it was kind of because she'd been cast and she, her most famous role is a movie we'll hopefully she's do on this again. The is the last seduction? The yeah. last seduction, and she's <laughs> fucking great in that. And she's she is so much the villain, and so it's so it's so weird to see her in this where yeah. she essentially is just superfluous. Sort of, practically, she's kind of railroaded a lot of the movie, and it's a lot of the scenes that she is in are like where there's a room full of men showing her a videotape of her being fucked by some guy that yeah. was videotaped, and you're kind of like so. And she's not. And then when you get to the end. She's in no way done anything wrong, really, no. except I guess fucked a lot of cheating dudes. on her husband so what? or whatever. But her, but she's doing but that she because not... her husband, she knows her husband's cheating on her, right? Yeah. And I mean, even so then, he, he's and got no also, fucking... it doesn't even matter. She likes it. Who cares? Right? Yeah. It comes. <laughs> what it comes down to is that then at the end, you're like, so this woman did nothing wrong. No. And we were just the whole time supposed to think like maybe she's like a fucked up. She's like a black widow prostitute. With, and it turns out she's yeah, actually disgusting. kind of a nice lady. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and like she just likes and to the have two, sex. And the two main characters of the movie, the one guy who turns out to be the killer, her husband, yeah. and the good guy, ostensibly, David her, Caruso, her ex. are both 
assholes yeah. who yeah. are totally obsessed with her. Yeah. And I think that, the, uh, and honest to God, I think that the movie's on her side. Oh, 100%. Like, I think, this part I think of, the yeah. movie is on her side whether it knows it or not. I think right. the movie doesn't give, I think my problem is that the movie is on her side, but then at the end, the movie's on her side in the way that you're on the side of a victim where you're like, so, yeah. but she's no, you, at the end you go, so who was this character that Linda Fiorentino was playing? Like what? Know. Besides that, she like gives no. She has about no sexuality or yeah. something. Yeah. Like there's nothing to her. Um. And so it's kind of like the movie does um absolve her because she doesn't do anything, and it does right. kind of you kind and of come actually, away going like, oh, very, but, actually very sad at the end because Chaz yeah. Palminteri is like uh, he he confesses to her. He's got all the pictures her, in her room, and, and she's bathroom. and she's like stuck oh. with him, I guess. And, yeah. And, yeah. And she, it's just sort of like, oh, that poor woman. <laughs> and it doesn't. It doesn't have quite. It kind of. Yeah, and it she doesn't, doesn't deserve. She should have shot out all of his TV cameras at the end. It's a like, get a life, <laughs> get a life. For a movie that starts with such a uh, such a bravado with that score and the like, the blood coming out under the door and yeah. like the just like this body being you know, and just like really the chase sputters. scenes and stuff. It kind of by the end you expect it. You kind of go like, and then at the end it's just gonna fucking go. Bam! She did it. He did it. Everybody did it or something. And then it's like I did it. And she's like, what? Oh my god! These pictures. And he's like, yep. And then he and then says it, mean things to her, and, and it's like that's the last. And you then see. it yeah. ends. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I I still I, I think I I didn't love it, but I enjoyed it. This a is hell the of kind a, of I enjoyed movie, it a hell of a lot. When you brought the idea of doing this podcast to me, I was like, we gotta do Jade because it's like the kind of thing. It's one of these that's actually fun to watch. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It Surprisingly, was a, it's a blast to watch because the whole time you're. I mean, at the end when you get there, it's like mm, this is kind of dumb, and it's. I don't know. This was not a well-received movie at the time. No, no. But, um, notorious flop. But I think watching along it, with Showgirls, they came out same year. Yeah, oh, shit. yeah. Watching wow. it now, I you scuttled kinda, Esterhaus's career. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Watching it now, you kind of go, I can see why people didn't like it. Also, this is this is fine. Yeah. This is like it's like a mess at times, but it's also with like some legitimately great. Stuff it's in it. it's a genuine yeah, and like you it's said, a real mixed bag. Caruso's really like Caruso's really giving it his it. all in it. He's like. Chewing it up, he's going. I, I love. I, first of all, I he's love really trying. David Caruso. Yeah. I, I love that, him. I think what I love about David Caruso is that he like <clears throat> he's going for it, and like man, did he not like get get paid for that? Like he 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 quit NYPD Blue, the most popular most popular show on TV at the time. Yeah. I'm going to be in movies. Pulled a Shelley Long, and then he's in the movies. He's in right after he did that. He's he's not like he's, holding back. No, he's good. Yeah. He's like. He's like going. I'm gonna jump in these movies, and I'm gonna. And there's no Kiss reason death for is really good. There's good no movie. reason for him to believe that like being in a William Friedkin Joe Esterhaus movie was not gonna be the ticket. A, bit, a William Friedkin Joe Esterhaus thriller right on the heels of Basic Instinct. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like there's no reason for him to go into. And so it's sort of like it feels shitty to like shit all over David Caruso because that's a good choice. That's like him going like, she's I mean, I got this. He should have figured out a way to do it and be on the show. Yeah, that's I mean, (laughs) just work a little harder and then go like, cool. I mean, it all worked out for him. He made millions and millions of dollars on CSI. He eventually came back to CSI Miami. And I mean, I'm not trying to I'm not let's not weep for David Caruso. I'm just saying that the reviews from the time were probably not kind to him. And then I watch it and go like, this guy is this guy is doing something. He's really intense. And I feel like maybe it's just that people like tend to not like gravitate towards performances like that. I tend to I think would they're like to great. I point out that <laughs> while we're on the subject of David Caruso, if you like David Caruso, go watch the movie Proof of Life, the Taylor Hackford movie from the early 2000s with Russell Crowe and Meg Ooh, Ryan. Okay. Where, where I have not watched it's, that. It's about the kidnap and ransom insurance industry. So David Morse, my hero, David Morse, gets, uh, gets he's like an oil guy who works in the jungle in Colombia, and mm-hmm. Meg Ryan's his mm-hmm. wife, and he gets kidnapped by gorillas, and then the insurance company hires Russell Crowe to like extract him from the from the gorillas, and David Caruso is in it, 
as one of Russell Crowe's like mercenary buddies. Mm. And Caruso is like on fire in this movie. He plays this crazy mercenary named Dino who's like purpose in life is to fucking shoot people. He's nice. just like constantly <laughs> talking about how excited he is to go kill somebody. Nice. It's awesome. That's also, it. Just and, go see that movie. And, and if you really want to do a deep dive on David Caruso, watch a movie called Blue City that, oh, I, that man. I watched. It's very early David Caruso before he was on NYPD Blue, oh, okay. years yep. before that, where he plays Judd Nelson's sidekick. Yep, weird movie. And he's one part in it where he hops on the back of a motorcycle and screams, fuck, fuck you, motherfuckers. That <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I rewound and watched several times. He's also very good in the Abel Ferrara film China Girl. Okay. And... Uh, Mad Dog and Glory. Well, I, hey, Mad Dog and Glory is good. Uh, John yeah. McNaughton. Yeah. yeah. David Crusoe was in tons of shit before NYPD Blue, too. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was just sort of like his career New York. was at the top, and then it, so he famously he famously blew it. Yeah, uh, you know, in Hollywood terms, David Crusoe kept working. He wasn't like I'm done, and then he got CSI Miami and became a millionaire from it. So whatever. Yeah, and kind of a joke at the same time. Yeah, I mean, he yeah! became he essentially became he essentially became a meme. I've literally never seen an episode of I CSI Miami, but I've seen it. but I've seen plenty of supercuts of him taking off his sunglasses, That's which is hysterical. awesome. Hysterical. Um, did you have any more dialogue from this yeah, movie? Yeah, I okay, had uh, I had one more. I kind of want to. Like, uh, and it, and yeah. it hits to the heart of it because it's two cops well, we should, we talking should wrap about this a crime up scene. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this is this is two cops talking about the crime scene, and at one and it's an old man and like a young lady cop, and yep. they're and they're bantering yep. back and forth, and the old man picks up a sex pillow and talks about it a little bit, and it's it's like a fuck house, uh-huh. <laughs> and the old man goes, "Hey, did you check out these jam and jellies and clitorifics? I was thinking about you." And then the lady goes, "Honey, if if I were you, I'd rip off a few of those butt plugs. They're designed for the perfect asshole." <laughs> So dialogue. And meanwhile, there's like a brutally murdered body, like feet, you know, like two feet away from these people. This is like this is how these cops talk. And you know, maybe maybe like a, a, a if a homicide detective is listening to this podcast, they can like uh, come on and Send be us your best jokes and guys. let us and let us know like no, that's actually like literally what we do. We are real cruel. We make cruel, cruel jokes constantly when we're at crime scenes. I would like to know that that's if that's true. Then I will take back everything I've said about Esther House being a bit. Agreed. Yeah, but um, but here's another line that that I just find quintessentially Esther Haas because it almost doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but this is I, I don't remember who says it, and but you can probably figure out the uh, context. <clears throat> Anyone who's ever seen her is either dead or suffering from penile amnesia. <laughs> penile amnesia. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Goodness. Part. Pardon me. Uh, yeah. So that's Joe Esther Haas. Uh, how many? How many okay. Juds? How many Jades? Oh, and I will say also famous. How many uh, Juds for Jade? Famous nice guy, um, actor Richard Crenna. No, from uh, from from Lost. He played John Locke's dad on Lost. And oh yeah, Brooke. Kevin Tig. Oh, Kevin Tig. Kevin Tig is Scarecrow in this. Scarecrow customer and famous nice famous guy, Kevin nice Tig. guy Kevin Tig. Right. Famous real life nice guy Kevin Tig plays. Uh, I believe he plays the district attorney that uh, that David Crusoe's under, and he's kind of in a few scenes being befuddled by what David yeah. Crusoe's yeah. doing. What the hell are you doing? What are you You're a loose cannon. What are you doing? You know, oh, what's boy. going on? And any anyway. Anyway, a, I just wanted to point to out that justice. in real life we've all he's met a him. Sweetheart, a very we've nice all met man. him, and he's a very, very nice man. And he's man. eager to talk about his work. He yeah. is too. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So all right. Judd's. Uh, I'm giving this four Judd's. Damn. Because it's fun. It's terrible, but yeah. it's fun. I think I'm gonna give it. I think I'm going four because I like. I like Doug. I dug it, and I and the, the mystery kind of fizzles at the end. But the, doesn't but matter. I was in. I was into it's it. It's like 85 minutes long. Yeah, it's so pretty short. short. Uh, I gotta give it three because on the whole, I did like it and li- liked parts of it, but. I think, if anything, we're underselling how much the ending falls apart. It's it really... A, it's a fucking disaster. It really sucks. It it's really sucks because it... disaster. It really sucks and not in a way where you're like, that sucked because a bunch of stupid shit happened in a, no. and the ending doesn't make Boring. sense. It sucks because it just sort of... It has like two scenes at the yeah, end that, sort of flops. To, that wrap it up and it's kind of almost the filmmaker shrugging going, I don't know. 
Yeah. How many? How many Douglases? I'll give it three Douglases. Uh, it's fairly sleazy. There's a sex scene in it that feels also. Tacked I'm gonna on. give it four. Four Douglases. I think it's sleazy. I think it's sleazy. It's it's like uh, it's Esther Housey sleazy. It just has it has a scene. The dialogue of, is certainly It has a scene of Linda Fiorentino in a hotel room just having a normal conversation with Chaz Palminteri, and she's naked in it for no reason. <laughs> she's just naked in her hotel room. I mean, which is something someone might do, but still, it's very gratuitous. It's yeah. just because she to get her naked in it, and then Chaz Palminteri is on the other side. He's like, "Okay, bye," and hangs up the phone, and then walks over to some lady, and she's like, says some quip to him, and then starts giving him a blowjob off camera. Jesus Christ. So just for <laughs> just right. for shit like that, where I'm like, "Yeah, this is pretty. This is Let's pretty put some sex in pretty this slimy." Sex and movie. also any scene like in these movies where there it's a bunch of dudes, a bunch of sweaty guys sitting in a room yeah. watching a tape of this lady fucking dudes while she's in the room and kind of like it's like michael being under his evil mustache kind of grinning about the jacket up to three and a half i'm just saying so that's why i'm giving it i'm giving it i'm giving it i can't go i'm convinced i'm I'm giving it it four i'm giving it three and a half because i don't feel like it it loves its sleaze as much no 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 william freak fighting it a little bit cat it's not basic instinct where it's like you can feel everybody leaning into this and loving every fucking gross dripping second of it it's it is but i but i think it's gross enough that I, I think Friedkin like likes having gross shit in his movies. All right, so. what are our personal ratings for it? I'm giving it one hairy little pussy. <laughs> Just one, one out of one. Hell, I was gonna give it four thimblefuls of sperm. Four thimblefuls of sperm. <laughs> what do you got, Kevin? Oh fuck! Sorry. Oh god. Uh, I'm giving it ten out of ten. Chaz Palminteri's finishing inside. Talk about a thimble full of sperm. Yeah, sorry well, guys. That's a good way to go out. What wait, wait, wait. Oh, shit. I have, I have, I want to go out on some Esther Haas comments yes, from the please, book. Please, please. And also, uh, before, lest we forget, uh, Mad Magazine parodies of each of these. Right. Well, you guys think of some Mad Magazine parodies. Uh, I couldn't okay. think of any. Well, Jade's hard because it's four letters. I mean, it could be japed. Uh, <laughs> terrible. I honestly would you know wouldn't put it past him. Jawed. That's already Laid. used for jaws. Laid. Uh. Mm-hmm. I know it's hard, huh? Uh, well, what else we got? Betrayed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a bad idea. Yeah, this is this is the this is the show. This is it. What's the other the one? Jerked edge. Jagged edge. The jagged edge. The jagged edge. Oof. Yeah, the haggard edge. This is probably why they, this is probably why Mad Magazine didn't end up doing. Uh, it's probably actual, why these guys are the experts. Actual parodies of any of these ones because they went. Uh, nope, we got nothing. We got no. We got nothing. Dragged edge. Well, mm, that's not really. Anything. Allow me to read to you an dumbed, excerpt from dumbed Joe Esterhaus's book, uh, Hollywood Animal. This okay. is a, a very brief anecdote about the making of the movie Sliver, and I might add an anecdote that takes place on page two of this 700-page memoir. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So it's, it's like one of the very first things that you read. Jumping in on the deep end. <laughs> He's talking about Robert Evans's rather uh, chaste secretary. Mm, famous producer Robert Evans. Koki McSnortfuck, as Pat Oswalt <laughs> once referred to him. <laughs> uh, the secretary who liked to wear Blessed Virgin Mary t-shirts and said I was the devil worked for the producer Robert Evans. My friend Robert Evans, as everyone in Hollywood knows, really is the devil. Evans, the producer of Sliver, liked my Sliver script so much that he sent a voluptuous bimbo wearing only a mink coat over to my hotel. She pulled a note out of a certain intimate body part. Come on. Best first draft I've ever read, the note said. Love, Evans. The note smelled fantastic. Fuck off. A, Uh, no. 
No. That did not happen. <laughs> not not that way. It did not happen that way. Okay. I got one more. Yeah, yeah. You got something? Because I, no, I no, think no. we should close on this one. Okay. No, no. I, I will get, just read the quote. Well, it's about, uh, it's about Jade and Showgirls. They came out within three weeks of each other oh, in 1995. And by the way, we will be putting more of these up on online, so just uh, stay, yeah, stay tuned Stay tuned for that. There'll be some, uh... From page 14 of Hollywood Animal, the top two sentences at the, po- at the top of the page, it didn't help that in the week after he was found not guilty and got out of jail, O.J. Simpson went to see two movies, Showgirls and Jade. Yep. There. All this needed Joe was OJ Esterhaus. Simpson added to it. So okay. So that that, that I think we'll call it good there because we yeah. we had an o, end on an OJ quote. Uh. So, uh. Next time, next up, we're gonna be we're gonna have two two parter two parter two parter. We're gonna do we're gonna cover one of the one of the masters of the genre. One of our favorite yeah. filmmakers one of, and one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. Absolutely. And I think and I think just fucking great. And I'm excited. These are movies I've seen more than once, most of them, and I'm excited to to revisit them. So we're gonna be doing. Two, two episodes on Brian De Palma. So we're gonna do Brian De Palma in the '80s. We're gonna do Dress to Kill, Blowout, and Body Double. Damn. And then we're gonna follow that up with Raising Cain, Snake Eyes, and then f- technically from the 2000s, but still I think grandfathered in. He the ultimate, sort of the ultimate Brian De Palma movie. Femme Fatale. Although that's not necessarily his best, but Femme Fatale, one of the great Woo. movies. So, and uh, get everybody do everybody your get everybody ready. do your research. We'll back to watch, your all, watch all those of De Palma movies. This is uh, much more pleasant research than we often ask you to do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, until then, the suspense is killing us. Bye.